<laughs> are we live yes yes good morning good morning sabaha everybody welcome back <laughs> welcome back uh oh man you okay i'm i'm i guess i'm the last guy to show up to the show right uh look like uh mad is in the chat Ch uh, chemi's in the chat as well um Josa's in there as well um <laughs> dude everybody everybody's in there as well uh same uh beer's gonna talk Oh man, good morning, good morning. Some beard dude. Okay, so we started the conversations with the beard. It seems like everybody's uh interested in that. Um I hope you going hope you're doing well. Sabaho. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon and um I'm going to say good day because if I say good night you're going to fall asleep on me and then you know why why don't we just, you know, finish the show. Um it's been an interesting week. Let's just say that. And we'll get into that a little bit in a second. Um, it is episode 63. Hopefully I'm not messing that one. Uh, and of course it is on March 20th, 2021. Um, so 32021 and uh, March is almost over. There's still a few more things kind of coming up. I kind of, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about the OnePlus 9 or the series that's coming up and all the leaks that we've seen with the OnePlus 9 uh, that has just come up. Uh, Greg just jumped in. Good morning, Lance as well. Bob as well. Sabaho. And I uh, uh, hope you guys are doing well. It's uh, it's been an interesting week for me. It's uh, I'll, I'll start off by saying it was. Um, I'm not going to try to say that you know the time change kind of hit me pretty hard. It, it did. That that's part of you know every time we have a time change in the U.S. We change time. We basically we went forward. We spring forward. So time changed for us. And I'm not sure if the rest of the world uh, kind of caught up. Uh, good morning, uh, Dave. Good morning, David. Is in the chat as well. And. Um, that took me a little bit about a couple of, you know, the first couple of days I, on Monday, I was actually very energetic. I woke up early. I was doing a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I shot three videos, produced two, three videos, posted on a Monday, Tuesday video, and then kind of things started changing a little bit for me. And I was kind of, um, I, I'll say this, I was a little bit out of it and I'm not going to lie. There was a lot of things going on, day job stuff, life and things like that. And, um, kind of took a little bit of break on Wednesday and Thursday. And then Thursday night, we kind of hung out a little bit with, uh, most of you guys, um, with the, uh, best of our week, uh, podcast with Juan Carlos. Um, I got my butt handed to me between, you know, between Aditya and, and Quan playing, um, J, uh, J Tetris there. And, um, I learned that I need to basically practice a little bit more for our next Thursday match. So there's a little bit of that. But what I would probably say is the, the part of it that helped me a lot was just hanging out with you guys during that time. Um, I, I really, there was kind of like a back and forth between Juan and I and thinking, you know, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we should skip this one, just take it easy, kind of relax. But it actually did kind of give me a little bit of a kick and um, it got me somewhat out of where I was kind of a, a little bit of a funk that I was getting into. Uh, I see Matt uh, <laughs> in the kitchen. Uh, that means you need a break. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and um, it, it was one of those, like I said, it, it's one of those things that was just, um, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, you know, it, it happens every once in a while. There's a kind of highs and lows that kind of go through. And um, the, the only thing I can probably say realistically is that when you have a mountain of work that you you're working towards achieving, you know, considerable milestones against. Uh, but then you keep seeing that that mountain keeps getting higher and higher and it keeps going longer and longer in the future. You kind of somewhat at some point or another kind of feel a little bit like this is just, uh, you know, it's going up. So. Taking those couple of days was actually nice, and I didn't actually produce any videos yesterday. So today, kind of, I wanted to come back and close the week with you guys, um, just to kind of keep things going. So for that, uh, uh, oh, dude, uh, I do want to say thank you very much to uh, Joseph with the uh, with the super chat right there. Thank you very much, and uh, I yes, uh, I, I would very much appreciate uh, you know your support in general, and uh, and of course. 
um, honestly, hanging out with me, uh, getting go, going through some of the stuff that we do on Saturdays are always going to be the fun part and a very, very much um, it's the best way that we've been able to hang out ever since this whole situation kind of started. Right. So this this journey that we've been on as is almost at, at that point where we're hitting almost a year of live streams. Right. So. First and foremost, I would say thank you to everybody, uh, everybody for hanging out, everybody for kicking it with me and, and just uh, chatting. And of course, uh, you know, hanging out with the, with us on, on Wednesdays or sorry, Thursday nights. Um, so that's kind of like the thing that's coming up and there, there are things that have been going. I put out a couple of videos this week. Um, we did the video on the road video, mic, uh, sorry, the wireless go to microphone, which I absolutely love. Um, if you are I would probably say this, if you've ever considered recording yourself uh, using your phone and you want to have a great base for audio and a great, great and simple way of getting in, uh, getting great audio into your videos, uh, the wireless go to uh, system is very, very uh, stable and very easy to use. That's the best way to say it. It seriously is a plug and play Um and if your phone doesn't support uh, audio input from within the standard camera app, you can definitely download like open camera, other third-party camera applications that allow you to use external audio source. But the short answer is that with that and the fact that as you saw with us last week, I think, and even the video, if you guys had, had a chance to check it out, um, I, I spliced in audio from the original, uh, the straight live audio and the backup audio that's recorded on the road, uh, wireless go to, and I shared with you guys the, the audio on both sides. So that you can see that there's no degradation in audio. The audio that it's backed up is the audio that it plays. So short answer, that first video was an amazing video and I really, really like it. And then the other video that I put out was a, a fun little video to automate things using your buttons. So it's one of those fun little, uh, I would say home automation uh, functions that if you've ever wanted to control your automation, your your home automated tools using a button as opposed to having to initiate the assistant, uh, this ends up being a very functional uh, task. And, it, and it's really nice. It's called the Flick 2 and a, uh, it's a starter pack that I was sent. And that was actually a nice video to put out. Um, I want Zach to do an ultimate test um, as as this. And, and re, okay, so hold on a second. Let me see here. I think there's a conversation going on. Uh, oh, here. So um, the wireless go to um, is on my buy is, is on my buy list after watching your video. I appreciate that, man. And um, no, really, the there's a there's every once in a while a, a piece of tech comes along that truly like focuses on the things that you need, you know, like when, when Sony did with the experience, what they did with the Xperia one Mark two last year was truly where they listened to the users. They listened to the people and they basically gave us what we wanted. They gave us the headphone jack back. They gave us wireless charging. Uh, we had the 4k display, which we already love, but we had the new form factor, the better camera lenses. There's a lot of things going on there. And what Rode did from the first generation to the second generation is seriously almost given us like generation three or maybe even four. And they gave it to us in version two. Um, it's hard to get. I'm not going to deny it as far as finding them, at least in the U.S., it's a little bit hard to find. Uh, but if you're able to get your hands on a pair, they're definitely or actually there are three of them, uh, three pieces in the set. Um, you're not going to be disappointed. And for anybody that's thinking of streaming, uh, content creation, Greg, if you, you know, for the way you're doing videos and so on, this is going to work great because when you're streaming from your PC, you're able to hook up the, my, the wireless go to system to your PC and not necessarily to the camera and use that audio to implement and improve the audio. So you don't get that echoey effect. You're also able to get a more of a wired connection if you want. There's a whole bunch of things you could do. Um, 
Sabah, Mark, hey man, Mark is in the chat as well. ER is wait. The A52 and the A72 will sell well priced uh, and of course features as they offer. So that was the biggest thing I think, I think that kind of went through during the week. Uh, we didn't really get a lot of love for that in the US, mostly because I think it was internationally targeted to Europe. Uh, but the A52 from Samsung, the Galaxy A52 and the A72 were announced. Uh, definitely budget-minded. Uh, those are typically what Samsung sells the most of, which is surprising because if you if you if you follow Samsung and if you follow their uh, their feeds, you almost assume everybody buys S20s and S21s and no 21s and all of those, you know, the high-end flagships. Uh, and the reality of the matter is the budget-friendly versions are the ones that typically sell the most because those, those generally do include the, the charger in the box. Surprise, surprise. Do include an SD card. Again, surprise, surprise. Um, features that we want are coming in in mid-rangers as opposed to the flagships that we end up paying too much for. So it's a conversation that we can have slightly in different times. Uh, and it's mostly because of a, a conversation that this is what other companies now are targeting. Um, Xiaomi, when they released the Mi 11, they made a point to keep uh, give you an option to keep the charger in the box. Um, you know, when uh, when OnePlus actually, I think is uh, is uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think they teased somewhere where they said the charger will be in the box, uh, and that's something that also kind of tells you that they're already thinking in advance, kind of things. And um, other devices like the ROG Phone 5 comes in with the charger in the box, and it comes in with the fast charger in the box. So those are things I'm I'm really interested there. And Jermaine is in the comment. Hey man. Um, Oh my God, Greg is always going to mess with me on that one. Okay, so um, a little bit of background to this comment that Greg is putting out. Um, he and I, so Greg did a video installing Android 11 on his Nexus 6, and he did a live stream on his channel. And um, I've been trying to find my Nexus 6. So I'm, uh, the thing about it is, obviously, is I'm, I'm not trying as hard as I should, because if I could, I probably would have found it by now. Um, and the reality of what's happening is every time I try to do something, something kind of takes over. But the short answer is I have not found uh, the Nexus 6. I'm, and I'm also very worried that it may or may not actually work because, again, it's been, I want to say, at least maybe four years I haven't touched. it. Um, so it's one of those things I have to kind of double check and see where it is. Um, uh, RG Blaze is saying, sir, uh, how will the... Oh, the IQ3 in India here, as it's coming in under 25,000 uh, now after the price drops. So I'm not familiar very much with the IQ3 uh, model. I've heard of the brand, but I haven't been really keeping tabs on the IQ model. So unfortunately, I don't know if maybe somebody in the comments is familiar with the brand or at least this model specifically, if it makes sense. Uh, but if you can give me a little bit, uh, some of the information about it, I can try to give you a heads up on it, but uh, we'll see. Um, uh, so uh, Jermaine is like, hey, environment. Uh, Oh, uh, environment removed it. Uh, oh, for the less selling phone. Oh, interesting. Uh, but give it, uh, give it to the yeah, to g give it to that uh, sells way more. Uh, the logic is hard to find. Uh, not to mention uh, France and Brazil ask for proof of uh, of the environment. So um, the the conversation I think what Jermaine is actually kind of hitting on very nicely is. Uh, the reasoning behind the removal of the chargers was to save the environment. It's for environmental reasons, saying we have extra chargers. We've been using and people have been buying phones for years. And the fact of the matter is that you don't really need a charger in the box because you could just use what you have. Um, and, and I think the conversation can be said exactly every time. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is they changed the technology that the chargers were using. They went straight USB-C to USB-C. That's step one. 
which is fine. Let's say you can use a USB-A to USB-C cable. That's not a problem. But they also changed the tech that they were using in there, right? So the devices, let's say for somebody that's coming from an S9, an S8, or an S10, um, they were all using uh, a different charger. It was the adaptive charger that Samsung was doing. And now they shifted over to 25-watt and 45-watt chargers that provide PD, power delivery uh, you know, options. So you don't really have that charger. You don't have the fast charger that Samsung is trying to give you. And it's the same conversation for Apple, even worse for Apple, because the iPhone does not have USB-C and the US and the cable that they include in the box with it is a USB-C cable. So meaning any charger prior to the iPhone 12, which had a USB-A connector on their little brick that it included, which is essentially the slow, well, the slow charger, um, still didn't give you that fast speed. So you by default had to buy it. The fact that Europe is requiring them to provide the, the proof for it, I think is a very big conversation because at the end of the day, all they did is they now have the ability of charging you more for a uh, basically another package and another another thing for that charger. So short answer, I think everybody's just having a field day with it. And I, I'm glad that other companies did not decide to follow suit with this, um, although I'm not sure how long it's going to go, because at some point or another, you're going to see is they're going to look at the numbers that Samsung and Apple are doing and we're, we they may change the conversation. I don't know. But again, they're not doing it to their mid-rangers. Even Samsung's not doing it, which it is a little bit of, I feel like it's a little bit of a fallacy kind of thing. So you just stand up there and say, hey, we're going to do this for environments for the higher expensive phones. But the mid-rangers, the one that we sell the most, as Jermaine was saying, we're going to include it in the box. So eh, it's a conversation. Uh, I always feel like Samsung sometimes um, will will say what's convenient to the market that they're trying to approach. So for the high-end market, they're trying to go in and follow, say, look, this high-end brand did this. Now we, as a high-end brand, will do the same thing. But then on the mid-ranger, where they're not really talking to each other, right? Because the A-series doesn't really compete very much directly into something that Apple releases. Because even Apple's low... Now, we're not, not going to say low end, but like, you know, the mini or even the SE, they're running their A13 and A14 Bionic. I mean, they're running their almost their latest processors. So we're not talking mid-range processor to that comparison. So keep keep that in conversation, of course. Um, but I, I, I appreciate that, Jermaine. I really, it's hitting it straight to the point. And if you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, please, 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 by, by the way, make sure to check out Jermaine's latest video on uh, the Z Flip. Uh, sorry, not the Z Flip. Uh, on the LG... Uh, uh, ah. The LG Wing. I don't know what I want to. I wanted to call it the Z Flip, but it gives it, it does that flipping action. But the Wing. He did a really good video on his LG Wing, and I really like the color of the one that you got, uh, by the way, which is really really nice. Um, so David Burns is, uh, is asking, "Hey TK, I hope you're feeling better about uh, the mountain you're climbing. Thank you. Uh, um, I love the smart button uh, video. I'm trying to find something similar that works with Wemo light switches. So it actually does support Wemo uh, switches, if I'm not mistaken. I think by default." Um, hold on. The, the reason I have to bring it up is because uh, it's in the so no, I don't want to add a hub. Go into the hub uh, doo, 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 here, and then we're going to add. So, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say I saw. Okay, so here, uh, let's see. Can we switch over? Oops. Ah, sorry guys, I did not mean to turn off the screen. Let's bring you back in. Here you are. So. Uh, oops. Uh, David, just, just for references, here is the existing services that Flick works as automatically. So you obviously have Alexa, you have Chromecast, you have Flow, you have Harmony, IFTT by default, which by the way, opens up like a plethora of things you could do. Um, IKEA options as well, uh, IR options, uh, LifeX, which really work nicely. Those are the LEDs that I have behind my desk. Hue lights, of course, play, play a sound. Slack, if you like to use the, uh, if you use Slack, obviously, you know, Spotify, 
VLC, but you definitely see it right there, the Wemo switch, uh, Wemo control options. So anything that you lose, use it, or even the Wink, or, or even the last one is uh, Zapier. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. So um, it should it should work quite nicely for you. Um, I didn't set it up with my Wemo lights because I have them running through my SmartThings um, controllers. So I left that the way it is, but in theory, I can definitely log in with my Wemo switch and I can definitely control the main light. Uh, the one thing I want to keep in mind, though, is uh, at least it's a messed up situation, right? So I have a smart switch connected to a smart light bulb. The light bulb that I have is a LifeX light bulb, which is the same company that makes the LEDs. So I decided to just control those three using the sw one switch button, using it directly with the LifeX app, as opposed to going over to Wemo because that's just a light switch over there. So in a, in a certain way, it'll do whatever you need it to do. But I hope hopefully that kind of helps you there. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay. Uh, TK, you, you mentioned the Note 21. Is there something you want to... <laughs> uh, Jim, I, no, no. Uh, the, the the rumors that the Note line may be going away, it was mostly, obviously, you know, that's what's been circulating around uh, the, the, the interwebs. Um, I think if, if we've learned anything from Samsung's approach is this. They're currently trying to bridge the S Pen into many devices. So we saw it with the S21. Um, and I honestly feel to a certain point, the design around the S Pen for the S21 was really more of a secondary approach because the way they implemented it for the S21, having the S Pen sit on the left side of the phone in, in a case where most people, and I realize they're obviously going to be left-handed users, that's, and that's not what I'm approaching. Um, giving us the power button and, and everything on the right side, but then putting the S Pen on the left made it a little bit, uh, it's symmetrical, I understand why they did it, but it's not exactly very uh, very functional. And it also doesn't really feature all the S Pen features that we we have on the on the standard note. I think the note line will still be the no, the, the the de facto pen stylus included in the package and you know obviously in the phone. Uh, but as far as what's going on and what's coming up, it was purely uh, I was purely uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this I was purely uh, going over that explaining the fact that obviously you know the note line and the, and the S line are their flagships, but they're not their number one sellers. Uh, and at the end of the day, I feel like some of these compromises that we're starting to see are being hit on those levels, which to me is is a very interesting conversation because that's the premium price tag. That's the thousand plus dollars phone that people are trying to shell out. Now, they released lower entry level version of the S21 this year, so a lower priced. But it is also kind of a compromising experience, right? I mean, we lost many things. Uh, we lost the QHD resolution. We lost the SD card. And of course, we also lost MST. So they they reduced the price, took away certain things, and of course the material build on that one. So we'll have to see how that goes. But thank you for catching the uh, <laughs> that little bit there. Uh, yeah, not, nothing at this point. Nothing that not, nothing at this point that we're able to, to that we know. Let's just say that. Um, and because uh, so, and Jermaine jumped back in, and because because they couldn't prove it, they must include the charger. Uh, and of course, that's for Apple at least. So. The good thing is at least we're starting to see some responses back to them from governments where it basically um, it's hindering the the experience, right? We're not at the point where we have um, wireless charging everywhere. Everybody has all of the technologies that we need because the companies are still trying to innovate in faster technologies and charging technologies, right? Um, we know obviously that the OnePlus 9 and the OnePlus 9 Pro are going to feature what the OnePlus 8T brought in at the end of 2020, right? That 65 watt charger that we've seen in the past. And that's of course the biggest factor. We already had 30 watt charging with the OnePlus 8 Pro. Um, and that's going to be something that we obviously are going to see again. I'm pretty sure the Pro will have the wireless charging. Um, the question is, what do they do with the rest of the devices, right? How can they up the game for the OnePlus 9? Hasselblad as a name for the cameras, that's a big factor. But 
you know, I think most of the core users for OnePlus obviously love OnePlus for many reasons. It's not just the camera. It's also the UI elements. You know, Oxygen OS uh, 11 has been a big change in the uh, aesthetical approach that what we've seen before. Um, some people like it. Some people, you know, it's on the fence, right? It's one of those things you kind of either like or don't. Um, the other thing that actually was surprisingly in the news, I don't know if you guys caught it, and we touched a little bit on it on Wednesday's uh, Thursday show. Um, it seems like in China, OnePlus, where OnePlus sells their hydrogen OS powered smartphones. So if you've never, if you're not familiar with it, uh, smartphones for OnePlus that sell in the Chinese market feature an operating system called hydrogen OS. It is very much very close to the way Oxygen OS looks like on our smartphones, but it is intended for the Chinese market and it does not include Google Play services. So by default, when you open up, when you use a phone that's made for China, you won't have it. The note that we saw, or at least the comment that we saw, is that there's a potential end of lifetime for Hydrogen OS that's coming up very soon. And then it is possible that Color OS, now Color OS obviously is Oppo's version of the operating system that they've been using. This is their skin of Android, will be running on OnePlus devices in the Chinese market, where I think in a certain way, Oppo's, Oppo's approach is a little bit more feature rich for that market. I think that's how they worded it. Um, and it kind of just makes sense in a certain way. I mean, if you think about it, why why would OnePlus want to basically marry or keep sustaining two separate versions of their operating system for different devices and different markets, where if they just adapt ColorOS, which is, again, very, very... Um, under the umbrella of BBK, let's just say BBK as a company, you know, kind of manages the different parts. So there's a lot of core, uh, I would say, synergy, the best way to say it, uh, between OnePlus and Oppo. And I think that's a good uh, tactical approach. They can save money on the on the development for color, so for Hydrogen OS, and then optimize Color OS to just work on their soft, on their hardware, which makes perfect sense. Uh, from a business side, it makes sense. Uh, from a user base, though, obviously you're getting some people that are very um, like I said, there is the fan, the core fan base of OnePlus that loves the way the UI elements, the way the approaches, and they're maybe not necessarily very keen on the way ColorOS is. Personally, I think ColorOS 11 is a major change from what we've seen in the past. It is not ColorOS 7, not ColorOS 6. It has literally shifted tremendously for a better performance, optimizations, and feature uh, feature packed. So short answer is I think it's a win-win, but it does have to go through that timing. And if it is true that it is going to happen, I think it's a it's a great business model. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, the users will, will probably have to adjust. Although I don't foresee people that already had OnePlus devices uh, in China with Hydrogen OS being shifted over to it. There, there's possibility that security patch updates may still be supported. So we'll see. Uh, and I think I'm pretty late on the comments. I do want it. Uh, uh, oh, right brain. Good morning. Good morning, man. Uh, okay. Uh, ER is saying it's, if you find the 6P, uh, okay, if you find the 6P, it will ho uh, it will hopefully work as it recently I turned on my HTC Desire HD after a year, uh, after, after a very, very long time as well. Uh, it, it's more about what I worry about is the, the battery. You know, like at a certain point or another, sometimes batteries do tend to co-degrade like heavily or they start to inflate. So that's my worry. My worry is that I find the phone, but there's some kind of physical thing on it. Um, again, I stopped using the OnePlus 6 when I went over to the 6P. And then, of course, after that, um, when I did get it back from my mom, because I gave that phone to my mom to, to use for a while, um, I never really even turned it on. I, got, I took it back and I put it put it in, the, in somewhere, I think, before I redesigned the entire office to this new look. And I just need to find it. Uh, but definitely, uh, I'll, I'll be on the look for that one. And I'll keep an eye and let you guys know. Um, let me see. Uh, okay, they can fit more phones on a pallet and charge more for charger. Exactly, it's totally a business model, and there's that pretty much just kind of takes it in there. 
Uh, okay, so RG Blaze is jumping back in real quick. It's the Snapdragon 865 UFS 3.1 LPDDR5. Uh, so far, you're you're not missing me there. This is everything's very good. Uh, headphone jack and uh, are the most important, uh, but the main pro uh, problem is the UI. And uh, but it, but it can also improve via software updates. So the question would be yes, if you're able to live with the UI, because that's what the environment you're going to be in most of the time. Uh, from the specs that you listed up there, I think there's no question that device should be more than capable to to run anything and everything that you want in this. In 2021. Um, the question would be if the price is right and of course the operating system, is it supported? Does it get the support that you feel is, is right? Um, or the other option would be too, if are you able to just root it or change it and install let's say lineage OS or something like that, that could just literally take it leaps and bounds and unlock a lot of potential for the 865 for you. So definitely check on the XDA forums and see what they have for that uh, and if it is actually supported or not. Um, so Mark uh, Sadih is asking is, will, it, will you be reviewing the A72? So I did get a chance to play with the A71 last year. So that I did. I did end up having to buy it and import it into the US. It's not available here um, at the time that I got it. So uh, I'm going to debate and if, if let you, I'll leave it up to you guys and let me know what you guys think of the, if the A72 or the A52 would make more sense. Um, I think they're currently available in Hong Kong and in Europe. So for me, I'd have to pick up one of the international models either way. At the end of the day, it's a phone that I would have to basically pick up and flip pretty quickly, mostly because of the obviously depreciation the moment I bring it in into the US and hopefully find somebody that is in the US that would love to have an A52 or an A72. Um, the other option that could also potentially happen, which is what we've seen in the past, is that T-Mobile starts to carry one of them at some point in the near future. So we'll see how that goes. But as I'm going through with the next few, let's just say this, the next week or so, is going to be busy. I'll, I'll say that, and that's as much as I can say. Uh, I'm excited for the for for what's coming up. I'm excited to be able to share with you guys what's coming up, um, and um, and, and it, it's busy from different areas, not in one specific area. So if that's an indication, uh, please hopefully you know support and share and make sure you uh, you you check it out and let me know what you guys think in the videos. Um, like I said, it's one of those things we got to keep keep an eye on. Um, Charles, um, Charles Monroe is asking, um, I have like 10 chargers <laughs> um, and a wireless pad and wireless pad. Not a big deal, but customers have returned iPhones. Stupid if, uh, uh, stupid if, uh, if you, if you ask me because they don't come with it. So it's, I think the people that are returning it are probably uh, either they got it as a gift or they, there's obviously some circumstances that go through. If they go through the entire return pro uh, pro uh, process over a charger, I think it's been publicly made, like, I mean, the announcements of Apple, uh, enough coverage in the news, and even regular news outlets. I'm not talking just technical news. I've seen it where around the announcement of when Apple was uh, releasing their uh, the iPhone 12 and so on, um, that even my local news here in Los Angeles, uh, I think it was at Channel 5, covered the fact that there was no charger. So if they're not familiar with it and they're trying to make a deal, maybe they're just not happy with what they got. Maybe they're using this as an excuse. We don't know. But at the end of the day, um, it is a little bit of a, a sting to say that the higher, more expensive devices are coming in with less things as they are super premium, but the more less expensive, budget-friendly, more conscious of their market because they realize a person that's trying to buy a mid-range or an entry-level smartphone are going to basically work harder to try to save up to get to there, uh, where if they feel like, so just because you have a thousand to spend on a phone, you're comfortable to spend an extra 50 or 40. That, that 
to me is a weird situation. And it will put a little bit of a bad taste in any consumer going in, be it in this round or maybe even the next round when they come in with their iPhone 13 or even with the, you know, the S22 and all, all of the different things that we're looking at. Uh, it truly needs, they need to figure out what to do to make the customer understand or at least feel that they're getting, um, that they're still being cared for. That's the other far, uh, part of it, right? Um, there's a big factor in things like so, and and I'll say this with with many things in life. If you do something in life and you do not like what you're doing, it pays well. It's in a good place, but you do not like what you're doing. You're not going to stick with it. You may we you may stay with it for a little bit. You may live through it, but at the end of the day, the way you feel about what you're doing is more powerful than how much money you're making out of it. And it's going to be part of how we are. And that's really what, what you end up doing at the end of the day. So the question would be this. This year, I picked up the S21 Ultra. I didn't really feel like that was an upgrade. I needed to move up to it. I needed to do start content on it so on. There's a different drive between it. Personally, I still think the S20 from last year, the S20 Ultra, is a better Samsung device to this to this day. Um, still would perform great cameras. Regardless of that seeking issue, was never an issue for me. I was still able to take great pictures with it. Um, but again, somebody that decides to go with that with the S21. Now, before I jump into the S22, that's going to be a big factor of truly understanding what is Samsung going to take out of the S21 Ultra line of smartphones next year. I mean, what can they take? Well, they're going to just take out, you know, uh, mobile payments or just, they're going to add new things. Or are they going to listen and bring me bring back the charger? Those are things I always worry. We'll have to see how they deal with it. But I feel like it's very much at nitpicking at the high end and sell, selling it to us at a, an a la carte kind of approach. And I don't feel like that's the right approach with smartphones. Again, when they're trying to innovate, right? So I don't really see a lot of innovation coming in with the S21 Ultra this year, other than more stylizing and ways to reduce the price so that they can say they reduced the price. And they didn't really reduce the price because if you have to keep in mind, there's no SD card on the Ultra. So you jump into the 256, that's an extra 50 bucks. You buy an extra charger with it. That's between 25 to 30, 40 bucks, depending which charger you go with. And, and then, you know, again, it just adds on and tax on more. So I don't, I don't really like the approach that they do. Uh, and thank you, Greg, uh, TK exactly makes perfect sense. Um, Okay, so here, Chemi's asking, Chemi's has a good point. So not providing chargers might work if the fast if the fast charge, uh, charge tech, essentially the charging technology, were the same all across models. And that makes perfect sense too. If you think about it from that aspect, right, everybody uses different tech. We have power delivery, we have quick charge three, quick charge, quick charge four. And I think if I'm not mistaken, quick charge five at some point, but there's a lot of different technologies. Not, not every company uses the same type. So how do you stay with everybody? Like you can't buy one brick that will be able to charge your smartphone that if you do carry two, for, for instance, fast charging on both. That's always going to be a concern. Um, one thing I love about the Find X3 uh, series of devices is the fact that, that that was a continuation from last year. I loved the fact that I can wake up in the morning and my phone could be maybe 10 to 15% left on that battery, plug that, that, that guy down for literally about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes tops, and I'm at 100%, I'm done, I can go for the rest of the day and not have to worry about it. That to me is a very big factor. Uh, OnePlus did very similarly at the end of the year where we typically see where their faster technology comes in with the AT. And we saw that exact same experience, the split battery and the approach. Um, and I think what we saw also with ROG Phone 5 this year with the 6,000 milliampere, they split the battery. They did the exact same thing. They realized there's a big benefit for faster charging wired. 
So we have to see, uh, and they need to include this. Like I said, OnePlus is even another conversation, right? They have their own uh, charging tech that is also not compatible with anybody else. It'll charge them, but it, is, it won't do fast charging. Uh, it's always going to be a kind of a situation. Um, and often you sell your phone with a charger, which is true. When you're selling a phone to somebody on, uh, let's say, on a resale uh, market, you typically have to include the charger or a charger at least. Uh, and uh, we tech guys are, are a different story, uh, but always sold my phone with a char uh, with, with a charger, meaning I must buy it. And, and that's true. Exactly. And because if you try to sell it with a lower brand charger, that just hurts the situation entirely. And I think I just jumped like a thousand comments. Let me see if I can backtrack a little bit and see if I can catch a few of those. Uh, <laughs> oh, Aditya is in the chat. Hey, man, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Khalil Chen uh, is in the chat as well. Uh, Matt Tyler, good idea. Okay, so I think Matt, I missed something uh, here. So Matt's saying is if you have 1,300 pounds to spend on a phone, buy a $400 pound phone um, and, <laughs> and go on holiday. You know what? That's not a bad idea. You're probably going to have a lot more enjoyment, a lot more, a lot more better memories out of that experience. Um, and that will last you for a lifetime over the, over the experience that you probably will remember the smartphone as that is a, a period of time, right? Smartphones last with us for a certain amount of time. But the reality of the matter is if we really think about it, we may, uh, we may miss some of our older tech, but at the end of the day, it's the experiences and the things we did in our life that stick with us. Not exactly that that piece of tech. I mean, I keep things for memory. That's just nostalgia for me. But I, I'm totally with you, and I think everybody's jumping in with that as well. Uh, always, always. Um, Aditya is jumping in. There. It's like... Um, just took a step back today, uh, day off, uh, reanalyzing my approach for gaming. I think he's talking. Uh, there are deeper issues that need to be addressed within my mind, and uh, that's going to be it needs a long-term effort. And I think I missed a good part of it. I, whatever it is that you're trying to go through, uh, Aditi, I hope you're able to take the time to be able to focus on it and recenter. Um, it it truly is a weird situation. Whatever you need to figure things and you need to actually kind of get out of a certain place that you're in, uh, if you want to be able to basically move on to the next level, it's um, it takes time and it does take at least uh, I, the best way I can say it is it, it does it does help if you talk about it uh, and talk talk about it with somebody that you're able to share um, similar mindsets, people that maybe can understand and and understand also the position that you're in. Um, it's one of those things that always help. And, I, and that's why there's there's a certain level of um, I would probably say uh, conversations, let's say that, that Juan Carlos and I have had in the past, you know, obviously off camera or even some of them on camera. Uh, that have been very much um, uh, of like situations that we've both experienced over time. Uh, it's a very unique situation where we are in in, in the world and in life. And um, really finding somebody that can echo your, your your concern and that maybe has gone through it and maybe can help shed some light into something, that can definitely be very hel helpful there. So um, I, I didn't get the whole conversation, but I'm jumping in obviously in the middle. I, I think the whole thing kind of moved. Uh, Gary the Fireman, good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back, Sabaho man. Um, Okay, so uh, Matt Tyler's uh, jumping back in. The RG5, RG Phone 5 Ultimate is my new baby uh, in May when it released. So I'll say this. I wanted to play with the RG5, uh, RG5 Ultimate. Um, I And I think the Pro is also a very, very compelling conversation for anybody that loves gaming phones. I'll say this because I feel like the 5, the 5 Pro and the 5 Ultimate are seriously different devices. They share certain architectural, um, I would say, aesthetic uh, uh, functions, right? They pretty much look the same from the front. The display technology is roughly the same. Um, 
say that back. It is the same. Um, but they've changed the approach to gaming, control, switches. Like the Pro and the 5 uh, Ultimate include the aero cooler. So what we're talking about is that little cooler that's sitting right there on the back of it. This little attachment does not include it, is not, a, is not an included accessory in the standard ROG Phone 5. Um, I feel like with the way the Snapdragon 888 has been going on, at least for the last couple of uh, devices that I've been using, um, thermals are always going to be something that you want to keep in mind. Cooling your smartphone or providing some type of cooling is always going to be helpful. Um, I finally got my hands on the Kunai, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Uh, I would say basically the, um, the maverick of all controllers that I've ever seen. Now, don't get me wrong. The Kishi controller for me has been one of my favorite gaming controllers, and I still feel like it's a great gaming controller when it comes down to what it offers. Uh, but when it comes down to an ROG Phone 5, because this is specific to the ROG Phone 5, right? Um, it is a very functional approach. The controller starts off with one. You push one button, you remove it, it becomes a smaller controller. And then if, let's say, you want to go even further, uh, they include, in the, in the package at least, um, there's the special case for the ROG Phone 5 that has a connector here on the top and on the bottom, which allows you to, of course, if you ever wanted to play your game like a Switch, uh, the ability of actually putting the phone in a switch style, style controller very close to the way we have it with, uh, you know, the uh, the Kishi controller, but of course optimized to go or work with the gaming uh, with the gaming system here, X mode, what we call it, what they call it, on the ROG Phone Five. Uh, I've had it for two days, literally just a couple of days, trying to play with it, and I really like the fact now that uh, the little uh, the dock here has a kickstand, which enables me to basically put the phone, station it down. I can even connect it to a TV because it does support uh, USB-C to HDMI output. And I can just play decently. I was playing PUBG with the controller. It took me a couple of seconds to get, you know, to get the, the functions set up and map the button. It's all total, by the way, very highly customizable, very easy to set up, a very uh, straight through experience of going through and using it. Uh, the, the big thing I probably would say it took me more time to figure out on how to turn on Bluetooth pairing because it's not an easy and it's not a very intuitive thing. The buttons are very dark and they don't light up. Uh, so it's one of those things that you have an LED there, but all of the buttons on here are non-lit. So you don't really know what's going on, but I love the approach. I love the fact that we get those two extra triggers here, two top triggers at the top, all of the buttons on the front, and of course, two, joy uh, two joysticks here for obviously uh, directional and uh, panning. And of course, we have uh, it just it's seriously a very nice, very light uh, controller. So those are the things I, I'm really uh, enjoying. And I but I feel like, the again, I feel like this should have been, not the controller, but the cooler should have been included with the 5. And I think once you get the ultimate, uh, Matt, you're seriously going to be, you're not going to look at any other phone for gaming. There's a lot of things going on. And this year, they've, they they hit it out of the park. There's no question there. It's going to be amazing. Um, Davin Davis says, uh, welcome back, man. Uh, says, Matt, uh, which, were you, which one are you preferring, the RG Phone 5 or the Find X3 Pro? Um, <laughs> And and I think that's where Matt's jumping and saying it's the ROG Phone Five. I mean, from a gaming experience, don't get me wrong, the Find X3 Pro is a great smartphone, uh, but I really feel like that I don't think that was designed to be a gaming phone specifically. It truly is more of a well-rounded, very camera-forward, very display-forward type of technology. Uh, and those are where I feel like all the improvements were done. The benefits of the fact that it runs the 888 and it has 12 gigs of RAM and, of course, has a lot of fast internal storage and the large display with 120 hertz, QHD resolution, 10-bit color, all of those things just augmented the experience. But I feel like, again, it's it's really designed more to be more, more of a like an all-around kind of smartphone, not necessarily specific. So for gaming, I think Matt is definitely uh, on the win there. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, here. So um, Aditya, we all have to wrestle with things. Uh, uh, we're just knowing those issues and being able to work on them um, is a good step. And, and I think that's also a big factor. You're right. Uh, it's, we need to be able to recognize when we are going into it. Um, for me, the first time that happened to me, I didn't really realize what it was. And this happened to me a few years ago before the current situation. This was during my one of the days I was at the office and I was working during my day job. Um, but it was seriously, it was like a lot of things going on at the same time. And, I, and it just hit me like a, a wall of bricks. That's the best way to describe it. Um, and it took me some time to get through it. And I had to kind of step away and, and go do something else and, and literally just shut everything off and take some time to kind of refocus and recenter our, our, our kind of like just the ability to figure out where, what our center is and then moving forward again. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we need a little bit of help to figure out exactly where we are and where we need to go. Um, so the, the, end thing, the, the end thing I would probably say for, for you, Aditya, is hopefully if you have or if you need to talk to somebody, please let me know. Um, as you can imagine, I, you've, you've seen some of the things that, you know, hit me up one time when at two o'clock in the morning and you're like, you realize that it was 2 a.m. Like, TK, how come you're up? Yeah, sometimes we're stressed. Sometimes we have to go through things and, and we have to deal with it. So we'll always have to kind of keep an eye on it. Uh, but please, yes, uh, if, you're, if you're able to talk to somebody that you feel like will echo or at least be able to, to listen very well, please reach out. Uh, and if you need any help, please let me know. Uh, definitely. Let me see what we have. Uh, <laughs> Matt Tyler hates Jermaine. Okay, so we'll chalk that off to the, there's, there's a new feud. Just kidding. Um, is the 65 watt charger in the ROG Phone 5 compatible with the ROG Phone 2 and 3? Uh, it will charge the smartphone, but it, there, it doesn't, there's no additional speed in charging. Uh, so it's not charging it, obviously, at the new rate, uh, the, the, the new faster charging rate. Unfortunately, uh, it's, it is USB-C, so there's no concerns there. And I did test it out with the ROG Phone 2 since I don't have the original one or the 3, um, and it did work. Uh, but it didn't show me any, any benefit over the existing charger that came with the original ROG Phone 2. It's a, it's a large battery, so it's the, the charging on the ROG Phone 2 was just not as fast, and the ROG Phone 5 charged quite fast with the charger that was included in the box. That was a big factor. Uh, David Burns, definitely, yeah. ROG Phone 5 for the win. Um, okay, so here. Um, so, Briffius, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Hey, TK, do you think uh, now that Meizu has introduced uh, the, uh, the, oh, oh, the three zeros approach, Okay, I haven't said, okay, no, okay, so no ads, no pop-ups, and no bloat. That is a big move. That is a big move, especially for Meizu. Uh, do you think other OEMs will follow, or is it because Meizu uh, isn't as impactful on the market? So in the in the international market, yes, unfortunately, Meizu is just has not been playing as big of a game as they used to. Um, in the U.S., I think that at one point, about maybe five or maybe seven years ago, um, they, we started to start talking about Meizu devices and a lot of people were starting to focus on them. I actually was a very big fan of Meizu devices because at, the, at one point they were innovating, they were pushing the limit, they were trying to give us devices that were just harder to basically find in any other standard tech that you were getting. Um, the approach of going zero everything could be basically a twofold conversation, right? Um, obviously, that's going to hit up the, the pocket for Meizu's side because Believe it or not, some smartphone companies, um, the reason why they go with those type of, type of uh, you know, the bloat, the ads and so on, um, are they're going to obviously be able to subsidize. I mean, Samsung, the biggest of all, is starting to put ads inside of their phones. This, uh, this new feature of giving you free TV, but then they include ads in the Samsung Pay. I mean, Samsung Pay, as the app that you use to pay for things, includes ads for things because they want to send and start targeting, as basically um, ad targeting their consumers. Can this become a new trend? Um, I think it's a little bit hard 
I think it's going to be something that maybe some companies will start to kind of follow. Uh, we've learned over the years of how to basically curtain or curtail the experience of those ads and reducing some of them. Uh, but we've seen them in everywhere, right? You know, theme stores, uh, uh, anything kind of included as additional services typically will have that. Uh, and of course, no bloat. I, I'm not 100% sure if Meizu is able to make a big enough of a splash, at least in the international market. In the Asian market, that could potentially be a big change there. Uh, we'll have to see. That's going to be more of a time situation. Currently, I find it to be a little bit hard, uh, mostly because of where the where they are in the market. I mean, you got you know the 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 Redmi, the Realme's, uh, the Mi devices, uh, the Oppo devices, the OnePlus devices. There's a lot of competition, uh, and those players, I'm not sure if they will definitely want to be able to approach to it. Uh, now it will appeal to some people and there are people that are going to be seeking Meizu specifically for that and that's what's going to basically see what however however the number of people that actually do adopt this that's going to have uh, force other companies to start thinking of it so hopefully we'll see that in the near future sorry i'm just uh i think i got something on my finger there um Matt, Matt's jumping back in. Oh, so the RG, RG Phone 5, or the RG, the RG 5, I keep wanting to say phone, um, has a different build uh, to the standard RG 5, or the Ultimate, I think, is it, or 5. So it's, it in, okay, so I'm interested to see the Ultimate uh, will bend as easy as the, um, so the, the problem that you saw with the Jerry Rick Everything Zach's video is, it's not really, um, I mean, it's, it's really an ROG phone issue. Let's just say that. It's an ROG phone issue. Um, the RG Phone 2 had structural issues that I've dealt with in the past, obviously. Now, the fact of the matter is that the display shattered in that manner in such an easy way for me just putting it literally on a corner, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but right now, even though I fixed it, I'm having a little bit of a delamination issue going on there. And his point in the video, if you watch it, uh, where exactly that point where the, the structural integrity is the problem, it's actually by design, right? They functionally added a side port that's typically used for more of a reinforcement if, uh, approach. A lot of the components that were put into the ROG Phone 5 are also done in a way where they're not going all the way the length, uh, the length of the actual back. So what you're getting there is less structural integrity and intended obviously where it does bend. Now, for the comment that, that Zach put out saying basically, you know, this is a phone that will bend easy. I don't know if every, anybody will basically put that much pressure to that smartphone with the way he exerted from the front and on the back. The, the short answer is it's a gaming phone. It's intended to be basically a gaming phone. It's not selling itself as an R as a, an IP68 or an IP65 phone. There's no IP rating on it. So treat it as a gaming phone, uh, keep it in a good case and then use it. And of course, those things will help also with the rigidity. Um, at the end of the day, having a side port and in fact that if you think about it, if you have just a long metal stick and you decide to drill a hole in the middle of that stick, even though you're not cutting it, you're just drilling a hole in the center of it. When you start bending, that's where the structural issues or integrity is going to be uh, going on. So yes, we want function. We want ports. We want to have that side option. The ability of being able to it's it's a very functional feature, right? To be able to have a USB-C connection at the bottom connected to a TV or a charger. Uh, obviously, the dock gives me the headphone jack, but having the ability of holding my phone, playing with it, controllers, buttons, all of that will come at a price. Um, I don't think it's going to be you hold it in your hand and you you know you you sneeze at it and suddenly it breaks in two. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, if you're looking for the uh, the design changes that they did with the ROG Phone Five Pro and the Ultimate, I think you're right. I think you're going to basically enjoy it the most. Uh, mostly because, again, the back, the display, they have an RGB or like a, a little color display on the Pro, which I feel like is a better approach than the Ultimate, which has only a monochrome one. 
And they also have extra sensitive touch areas. So on the bottom areas here on the both the Pro and the Ultimate are touch sensitive. So you have four buttons built into the smartphone by default. You're able to add the two buttons here. And if you go directly with the Kunai 3, you're adding like seriously six additional buttons to, uh, to the gaming experience. Of course, with the customizable options, the directional pad, the D-pads, all of that stuff, um, way better. Always, always going to be better. So I, I have no doubt that you're going to enjoy uh, the Ultimate, but I'm definitely looking forward to see what you have there. Um, Lava Kumar is asking, Matt Tyler, um, some, oh, some of, uh, sorry, uh, if someone has 1,400 pounds uh, for a phone, they will surely have more money for holiday as well. That's <laughs> the real-time scenario. Uh, it, depends on the, it depends on the conversation, right? So the question would be this. Smart, some, far, some smartphones are sold as smartphones that are sold obviously for that price but not everybody buys it at that price most people at least in the us and some european countries as well um, buy them on installments or through carriers so um where where that conversation level makes kind of sense in, in certain areas but in the in reality um you're right um if you're buying a phone and if you have that much money to spend to spend on a smartphone just kind of for the just to start uh, the the economical stature obviously where you are could obviously be a different situation you're going to be able to afford it you can you can definitely go for it but that's another thing that you want to keep in mind you may not want to go all the way into it um, and you may be in the situation where you're trying to figure out is you know do you want to go on holiday or do you want to basically buy a smartphone I do apologize uh, no 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 package deliveries okay I'll take that back no package that are supposed to be delivered that I know of today. I am waiting for certain things, but I don't. I don't think anything was supposed to come. Uh, but let me jump in real quick here. Um, oh, man, I jumped in. Uh, Davin's. Oh, man, I, I think I, I maybe missed him saying. Okay, so uh, Abdullah here has a question. Hey, TK, question: Why doesn't OnePlus or Asus? Uh, why? Okay, why? Why doesn't OnePlus or Asus ROG um, aren't available in the Middle East? Um, just like Samsung, uh, what is the selling strategy? So. Asus and RG, so I think the OnePlus conversation, I'll, I'll touch base a little bit more about that, Abdullah. I'm familiar with the fact that OnePlus, it's almost like pixels, right? It's like OnePlus and Pixel smartphones are very much not, there's no dealers, there's no direct dealer representation for them in the Middle East yet. Um, I feel like OnePlus is probably be having a little bit of a missed situation here because they're missing out on a, on a massive market that would definitely love, they do actually already love their smartphones. Um, and, and true story, which is a really interesting conversation. So um, when I started the Arabic channel, as you guys probably know, the Tariq Bay channel, um, the video that made it for me possible for me to get monetization, get the enough subscribers to be able to actually qualify and get monetized on that channel in less than a month was the OnePlus 7 Pro, a phone that was not available in the Middle East market. But that was the video that literally skyrocketed and got my channel running and up and running on its own. It's fully standing as an Arabic channel, which obviously it's still going right now. Um, so the, the approach for OnePlus and, and, and not having them in the Middle East, I think it's an approach more of um, they're expanding, but they're just now focusing on the major markets that they've, they know where they know what to do with the business. The Asian market, obviously, a hometown territory for Oppo. Now, the converse conversation to that, which I'll start kind of touching base a little bit. Uh, if you guys follow some of the Arabic channels, I, I, I don't know if you do, but there's like Android Basha, there's uh, Mr. Q from uh, Rakami TV, and there's uh, Slorks or Ahmed Bariki. Uh, they started to actually, they went through and worked with Oppo on a massive campaign for the Reno 5 Pro. This is going to be a long one. The Reno 5 Pro 5G. It's a long title, but it's a great phone running a MediaTek processor, the, uh, the MediaTek, uh, uh, the Dimensity 1000. 
the the approach, the fact that we see OnePlus, uh, sorry, Oppo going into it, it means it's a certain point or another, maybe we'll start seeing OnePlus coming in as well. I think that's what we're going to start noticing. Those are big factors. ASUS, on the other end, it's a different situation, right? ASUS is not as big as what we, th what we think of as OnePlus in the markets that they're trying to be in. Uh, their approach is very much tailored to the markets that they're in. Uh, like They even release smartphones that they don't even bring into the US, and this is a big market for them. Gaming phones are a big factor. I think it depends on the demand, if there is enough of a demand. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they're seeing the numbers. So I hope at some point ASUS does actually expand to the Middle East as the ROG line kind of expands. Uh, but I think it's more more so their other line of smartphones. I think their PC department, their gaming department is big in the Middle East. It's just the mobile is not in there. So I'm hoping that they do bring it in. The reasoning behind it, I'm thinking it's more uh, analytics for them and just maybe they're not seeing the demand. Um, although what, what is, a, what is a good way for you to be able to start seeing the demand if you don't actually try, right? Go in, release it, maybe through resellers, maybe not necessarily through first party dealers, uh, and at least see how the market kind of works. And I feel like, again, it's a massive market that they're missing out on, uh, OnePlus as well as, uh, you know, even just, uh, Asus, uh, and also get them to optimize for Middle East. That's another factor. Uh, believe it or not, like voiceover LTE, even if you import a smartphone from OnePlus may not actually turn on 5g may not actually work with the local carriers, even if the bands are supported, but it's like that feature is geo locked. Like it doesn't actually specifically work. At least so some of the things we've, I've, I've worked with when I've talked to, to Ahmed and Salah and Khalifa from, from the, for my buddies from the Middle East, uh, on, on the Arabic channels. Um, uh, made hashtag made. We're always going to be seeing how thing. Uh, let me see. Uh, Davin days. Thanks everyone. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let you guys know next uh, in the next stream. Okay, uh, appreciate it, man. Uh, Davin, real quick, jumping back in. Um, I picked up a Galaxy Watch uh, E uh, for uh, okay for uh, okay. Uh, any thoughts on on the rumors that the Watch Four uh, will uh, will use Wear OS? So. There's a good chance that, you know, well, I, I'll take that back. Let's step back real quick and see where we are right now. In, in the current state of, of where we have Tizen OS, which is the OS that runs on their smartphones, um, and the way Wear OS is sitting, I think they're very good competitors. Tizen has evolved quite a bit for many, many years. Now, the decision for Samsung to jump ship from Tizen over to Wear OS is a very big decision. The reality of the matter is, uh, I feel like in certain ways, and I'm not going to try, I'm not trying to say Tizen is better in, in many areas, but the integration of Tizen OS on the smartphone and the uh, till 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 I got to the point where we got uh, when I was able to use the TechWatch Pro 3 that has been for me I felt like Tizen was uh, at least uh, in many ways much more advanced than Wear OS even though it didn't start as early as Wear OS Wear OS was what uh, Samsung used to run on their original smartwatches and then they flipped over to Tizen um Having Samsung say that they're going to just dump all of that entire ecosystem, all of that development and everything and just switch over to Wear OS, that's a tough sell. And I say that from a business point. I'm not looking at it from an enthusiast. On an enthusiast level, I would love for them, for everybody to use the same system, for everybody to use uh, similar uh, approaches to tech and at least try to innovate in more of their Think of it as like a third-party skin. This tick watch that's come, coming from Mobvoi actually has a custom launcher, similar to the way we have custom launchers on our smartphones or a skinned version of Android. That's something that we can appreciate. Uh, the Oppo Watch that came out last year with the 3100, the, uh, the Wear 3100 processor, also has a very similar experience. But what we started to notice is that Wear or Android Wear devices running the 4100, the latest chipset from Qualcomm, 
are light years more efficient, faster, smoother processing. The gig of RAM is definitely helpful. I think 512 on any smartwatch is not a right number to put in because of the way the OS operates and the way the optimizations are done. We saw that last year with the way uh, TickWatch did with their smartphones. So the short answer is if they do switch over to Wear OS, I feel like it's going to be a step backwards for Samsung, mostly because of all the developments that they've done. You have to appreciate where advancements have been done and improvements have been done. Um, integration to the development, uh, integration with their ecosystem. Now, obviously, uh, the the Galaxy watches work with any smartphone. I mean, I'm using mine on a. Uh, well, I'm not using the uh, the Galaxy watch right now, but like when I typically test it, I'll test it with whichever smartphone I'm using during the time. I have an LTE model of the Galaxy Watch Three. Uh, works great, very fast. Battery doesn't last as long, but it definitely works great. But I prefer to use Wear OS. I like to have my assistant built in directly into the watch. I love the functions of what it does, and also the appearance and the look a little bit more with the Wear uh, with the with this one. Um, I'm also very much interested to see what OnePlus has to bring us to the market because, uh, not to kind of segue too much from from your comment there, is um, the 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 rumors first. Obviously, we talked about this uh, the OnePlus watch for almost a year. I started to hear rumors about it a year ago that it was supposed to come out with the 8 Pro, right? At around the same time where the Nord was originally going to be launched. Short answer, nothing happened in 2020, right? We didn't hear anything. I reached out many times to my, my contacts, and the only thing I could get from them is we don't have anything to share. And of course, you never know. Flip 2021, OnePlus 9 is coming out, OnePlus 9 Pro, and of course, the, uh, the brand new OnePlus watch. Uh, we saw the look. We saw a little teaser. I think uh, Lou from Unbox Therapy had access to an early image that they were allowing him to share. So we saw that. Uh, it kind of looks a little bit like the Apple, uh, like not the Apple, like the uh, Samsung uh, Watch Active 3. I could be wrong. The design is very, very familiar. But it's not going to be running Android Wear so or Wear OS. So that tells me there is going to be that approach of, is it going to be more of a fitness tracker in the smartwatch function? Um, is OnePlus truly trying to innovate and in bringing in a whole new operating system uh, as, a, as a their own version? Because even Oppo uses Wear OS on their international model. In the, in the Asian market, Oppo does have their own version of uh, smartwatch OS. So that could also be this, uh, the system that runs on this. So you have to always kind of look like where the historical pieces that have fallen down. If they use the Wear OS approach, which I really hope they do, um, Oppo has proven it extensively for me on the smart on the Oppo Watch that it is super fluid, super nicely done, and everything is integrated quite well. Does Samsung have a way of making it into it uh, into a situation where shifting over, going back to what they to a system that they haven't used for many years? Again, that's where I find it very hard. It's like. Um, investing so much time in your uh, in a specific job and then one day shifting gears and just moving just for the sake of moving to another job that you felt like maybe has more future Th those are the things uh, but the apple not the apple watch the uh, oneplus watch is going to be very interesting i'm definitely going to be making sure to get my hands on one of them regardless what os it runs uh, i want to see what oneplus is offering us uh, I love to see what OnePlus's ecosystem is is uh, building up to be, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's not going to be locked to OnePlus. But I think maybe initially we'll have to see. Maybe they'll do the same thing they did with the OnePlus Buds uh, last year. So we'll we'll have to see how that kind of goes. Um, uh, I, uh, Abdelaisa, welcome, Ahlan, and um, I, I appreciate that you're enjoying the the stream. And it is it's it's typically it's one of those streams that we tie in. We kind of. Uh, 
there are main points of the video or this live stream, and I try to hit on them and we talk and we kind of go back and forth with a conversation. But at the end of the day, it really is. It's a conversation and it's very much kind of going back and forth between where we're going. Um, we don't all go through great times. It's not always going to be the best, amazing week ever, week after week. There are going to be some times where we need to kind of step back and reevaluate. There are obviously going to be some other times where we have to say, uh, you know, let's just figure out how to make it a better week and let's see how we can make the next week a little bit better as well. But thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, of course, uh, Abdelaisa, thank you. Um, so here's another one. Okay. So, uh, um, the RG blaze it's coming back. I love those questions. So TK, what's your thought on the, uh, about the Poco phone launching tomorrow? So when I said I'm waiting for something and and I don't know when it's showing up, I was hoping to get my hands on um, on on some 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 of the hardware to be able to share with you guys some little bit more thoughts on it. Hopefully tomorrow, uh, I will be hopefully covering both. Uh, not, I'm not sure if it's going to be both, depending on which which one I end up getting. But um, I'll say this: Poco as a as a, as a smartphone brand, which just mm -hmm. for reference, I think a lot of people will probably uh, correct me if I didn't say this correctly. Uh, is that they separated from Xiaomi? They're no longer. A, they're basically a, their own brand specifically because there's a lot of people that kept calling them the Xiaomi, the Xiaomi Poco phone. Um, last year, what we saw with the X3, or at least you know with the F, with the F series and the X series, is that they really stepped up their game. Where we were getting, we're starting to get more. Uh, we're starting to see more AMOLED displays. We're starting to see more smartphones with higher refresh rates, large batteries, large displays, uh, a lot of features that we typically want. Headphone jacks, uh, great camera implementations with the camera sensors that we have on the back, and of course, great cameras um, as far as the overall gaming experience, the, uh, the UI elements. So. Um, Poco as a brand, I feel like is an underdog type of a brand where a lot of people love it and they love it because not everybody knows about it. So tomorrow I'm I'm really excited to see what they unveil. I don't have a, any information as to what's going to be unveiled specifically like the, the specs, but I can tell you this much from the fact that from what I've seen in 2020 from Poco, I am very excited to see what they offer in 2021 and then keep going forward with that. Um, so launches tomorrow, as you know, as you know, and of course Tuesday, as we everybody knows, uh, there's going to be obviously the OnePlus line uh, launch event, international event as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I hope you guys are going to be checking it out. I'll try to see if I can get the links to their live streams and so on. And I'll share that over on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, oh, I think that was it. Okay, and then um, so Rufio is asking TK. I know Mizu uh, aren't in the U.S. market anymore, uh, or even Europe. Uh, but I ordered the Mizu uh, the Mizu 18 Pro uh, to the U.K. Uh, and uh, gets here in, in next week. Uh, what's your opinion on uh, on the device from what you've seen? So I haven't really seen much on on the 18 Pro. I haven't really been keeping up on their smartphones. I do I do say that um, uh, every once in a while I kind of touch base with them just to see what's going on, but. I think honestly, if you felt like it was strong enough for you to be able to import it, obviously you felt very strong about the smartphone. So I'd probably just, I would look forward to maybe if you can come back and let us know in about a week once you get it back and, and maybe give us your opinion on it. Uh, I'd love to hear it because for me as a brand, it was again, one of those, one of those brands that I loved looking into and listening to and trying to see what they have to offer. And I have personally imported it from Hong Kong uh, at the time. It wasn't even available back then. So I've imported Mizu devices straight into the US, regardless of the fact that I didn't get all the supported bands uh, back then it was mostly just again to get access to the tech you know it was fun um, and of course just to see what they offered also on their other brands they have other things also not just smartphones uh, but uh, I, I wish i was able to help honestly i i don't have a lot of information on on the on the latest the greatest music there's so many brands uh, and 
in in within the last few months, at least within the last year, I've realized that I'm starting to cover brands that don't necessarily come to the U.S. That's true. I try to focus more on the international market. Now, OnePlus obviously is a big U.S. brand. T-Mobile, uh, everybody carries them. Um, Oppo is generally more of an international brand. I cover them in both English and Arabic. Um, and I would love to be able to check out Meizu's and uh, Meizu's see what they have to offer. Uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, Honor also is kind of picking up again. We started to see them earlier this year. They separated officially from Huawei. Uh, they're starting to use MediaTek processors in their smartphones. So we'll have to see what happens uh, in some of the other brands as well. Uh, Jermaine, uh, okay. So Jermaine got to go. TK, thank you very much. Have a good stream, man. Um, and good night, afternoon, everybody. Uh, everybody take it easy. Yeah. Uh, I, the timing between Jermaine and I's video uh, live streams and so on has always been a little bit of kind of, uh, kind of going back and forth. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, Abdelaysa, thank you. Thank you very much, man. I thank you very much. Uh, concept here. Take care. Davin Davis, just take it easy, man. Uh, Serbifius jumping back in with the, um, are offering the 18 Pro at a discount for global uh, testers um, at, a, at a discount as well. You should check them check their, check them out on Twitter. Definitely, yeah. No, I'll 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 hit them up as soon as uh, right after the show. You know, actually, let's just do that right now. Let me see if I can uh, pull them up real quick here. So here we are, Meizu. There it is. Yeah, Meizu 18 Pro has been actually trending pretty well. Um, interesting. The Meizu 18, 18 Pro with, uh, with the, the Qualcomm 3D Sonic Sensor uh, Gen 2. That camera bump looks very familiar, guys. Snapdragon 888. Okay, so the general Pro features are going to be, we're looking at the Snapdragon 888, uh, 4,500 mAh battery, 12GB RAM, 120 gigs of internal storage, or 256 UFS 3.1. Uh, quad camera setup on the back, a 50, a 32, and an 8. So 50 standard focal length, 40, a 32 wide, um, ultra wide at 130. Uh, it's decent. It's decent, definitely. Um, 8 megapixel uh, with a 3 times uh, optical zoom. That's going to be the telephoto. 3D time of flight sensor. So that's more for depth. And then a 44 megapixel selfie camera on the front. Uh, and then, of course, the Meizu 18 is a little bit less uh, kind of scaled down when it comes down to specifications. Although a 64 megapixel sensor as a primary shooter at f1.6 as opposed to the 50. So I'm assuming it's a, it may be an older lens. They don't really specify. Um, I have to say, seriously, uh, it kind of looks it kind of looks a little bit like the OnePlus 9 Pro leaks that we've seen from, from OnePlus. The camera bump on the left, the color, uh, it looks very interesting. So I, I like I said, I, I would definitely reach out and see if we can uh, maybe make this happen. I, I may be able to import it myself directly. Uh, I think I skipped a few comments. Let me jump back here real quick. Here, da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. Oh, here we are. Um, later, Jermaine. Hey, Joe's in the comment, man. Joe, Joe, welcome back. Uh, Caro, okay, so Caro's jumping back. Um, can you justify the ROG Phone 5 having 16 or 18 gigs of RAM? I think all of these gaming phones are just uh, uh, <laughs> uh, wasting parts for uh, for bargaining chips, uh, for bargaining, for bragging rights, sorry. Um, I'll say this, yeah. No, uh, I totally agree with you. Uh, 16, to 18, 16 to 18 gigs of RAM is absolutely overkill into what we need. Uh, the fact I think they're they are playing the very much a gamer's approach to uh, RAM 
right? And what I mean by this is uh, gamers by default, like desktop uh, PC gamers and so on, they always have to want to have more RAM than they need to have that open, you know, that the, basically the, uh, I would say basically an open area where you have, you have enough playroom when you're running your games, you're running multi-tabs, or if you just want to run Chrome, you know, you just need 30 gigs of RAMs for that. Um, no pun intended, but I seriously, Chrome, massive sucking amount of RAM there, just wow. Um, ROG Phone 5 and 5, I mean, I, and I can't really speak on the Pro and the Ultimate because I haven't really seen much, but I can tell you right now that there is not much, there isn't really any function that will use that much RAM on a system. doesn't matter how many apps you're able to run. Now, you are able to pin applications within the RAM, so obviously the more RAM you have, the more apps you can pin. That's something that may be of interest for you, of course. So maybe there, there's also some leveraging in there, but 16 gigs of RAM is just so overkill. I don't know how many apps do you really feel that is needed to pin into memory for you to make sure that you're using the whole system. So short answer, um, there's a little bit of a fine line from the gaming side. Remember the ROG, Republic of Gamers side that feeds into the gamer side. That number 16 is a very big number specifically for gamers. We automatically think a system should start at 16, should be running at 32. And if you're able to, like I have, run 64 gigs of RAM. Uh, now, I can tell you right now, I never use a full 64 on my PC, but I've come close to running almost 40 gigs, uh, sorry, uh, uh, 40 gigs of RAM on this um, because of when I do when I'm running like After Effects, when I'm running Adobe uh, Premiere, and also when I run Chrome in the background. So I'm editing videos, I'm doing a whole bunch of things, open up Photoshop, and the multiple instances of application, or even when you're rendering, that eats up a lot of RAM, but that's a PC. So Again, I, marketing definitely isn't needed. I, I don't really think. I think 12 gigs is probably overkill to what they needed. Uh, 14 if they really wanted to push it. But honestly, uh, whoever's buying an ROG Phone 5 and sees the number 16 there, they're definitely going to feed off of the PC side. It's definitely a... Uh, an, an endorphin kick a little bit there, but at some point or another, we may. I mean, we 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 used to say that ten gig, uh, you know, six gig RAM, uh, six gig RAM smartphones were not needed. Ten gigs were not even close, and now we're talking twelve, sixteen, and eighteen gigs. I mean, twenty twenty two is around the corner, of course. Uh, you know, in about another ten months or so, uh, you never know. We may see twenty gigs or twenty two or twenty four gigs of RAM. Like, there's no reason for it to be that high. Um, but I personally appreciate the number being there, as long as it doesn't actually cost me an arm and a leg just for them to put that number in there. You know what I mean? I love the fact that it says 16, like my phone and my PC have the same amount of RAM. It's a little bit of a conversation. Uh, I, I wish they had more of a desktop experience to offset the benefit of having that much RAM. That would have been a little bit more function for me. Running multiple instances, like running a Linux-based, uh, let's say uh, a Linux OS uh, through PC mode, and then running your smartphone at the same time, that could make sense. Sharing memory between the two, that also could make sense. LPDDR5 is very capable, but it, we need to see what they have to offer. Uh, okay, so... Uh, Somebody by the name of B. Okay, so hey, TK, I wanted to reach uh, to uh, seek your opinion or your input on uh, the ideal RAM requirement for a Windows 10 PC, which surprisingly is what I have in the background. Uh, would 8 gigs suffice? Um, I I was looking for the Lenovo Slim 7, uh, where an 8 gigs of RAM is soldered uh, with no expansion. So I probably would say this. If the general purpose of the PC that you're using will not include video editing, heavy gaming. I'm going to say casual gaming is probably going to work fine. But like editing video, editing photos, like Photoshop level, professional level toolage, I feel like 8 gigs should be more than enough to handle what you need to do. 
Um, I did a, a review not that long ago of an Azul Access 4 uh, PC that came with four gigs of RAM and I upgraded it to eight because I felt like eight was the right number. So say this, eight should be more than enough to handle your general usage. You're going to be able to do most things with it very nicely and you probably won't even use most of it. When you start hitting the limits of the system on that is if you start to use it for something that is for more. Uh, heavy duty like AAA title, because uh, I'm not sure of the actual processor on this other than obviously it's running eight gigs of RAM. So it's not really meant to be um, a full powerhouse. So I think you should be fine for Windows 10 perfectly. Eight gigs is more than enough. Um, I, my only thing would be also just uh, gauge what you're going to do and the, for the lifespan of the time that you feel like you're going to be using this smart, uh, this uh, PC, how are the, your usage going to be? If it's, again, casual, uh, general, just, you know, like casual gaming, a normal business day-to-day, -day, papers, uh, browsing, all of the typical things that you want to do, there should be no reason for you to be able to handle anything that, that, that with that much RAM. Uh, again, the the pieces, the other components of the PC are also going to be very important. The display, the CPU, the cooling, all of those things kind of need to be also factored in. RAM is only about one component. Uh, internal storage will also be another conversation. Uh, LG Win, yes. So uh, Joe's uh, Joe's with me on that one. The LG Wing review was very very nice. I love the introduction. That little bit of B roll in there in the beginning, very very nice. Oh man, always, always oops, let me jump back here. Uh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Um, Davin Davis, okay. Uh, Davin's saying that the, the, uh, I meant to watch three. <laughs> um, I sense Google threw a ton of dollars at Samsung to do it. Um, I, I don't, I don't really know if, 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 if it makes, I mean, for me, I, I love the fact that, um, you know, Tizen OS has been evolving so nicely. It's almost like saying this, okay. Samsung's developed DeX for many, many, many years. And then suddenly, for some reason, we're hearing rumors that Samsung's going to cancel DeX and shift over to using Android desktop. You know what I mean? Android desktop has been in the system for how many years now? This is the third, even with Android 12, third generation of, uh, of, of version of Android that included Android desktop, but we don't have a version of, that fully utilizes it and we still can't boot into it on a Pixel. Um, saying that Google maybe tried to pay for it, that's a little bit of a conversation there. There's going to be some collaboration. I personally feel like what Tizen does on uh, on smartwatches like the Galaxy Watch 3 or the Active, it's light years of what we've seen in the past with Android Wear. I mean, Android Wear has a lot, a lot of apps. There's a lot of functions that are built in in both ecosystems. And I feel like they're both very strong, very good competitors to the Apple ecosystem that a lot of companies end up going, uh, you know, that a lot of users end up basically jumping into because of the well-integrated ecosystem there. Uh, but when we see that and when we see basically with some of the other operating system, like, you know, with um, Fitbit and so on and other things, you know, Wear OS is, is getting better. But at the end of the day, I don't know if Samsung would want to give that much, that big of a slice of their, their work into their smartwatch ecosystem that they've been building for so many years to shift back to Android Wear easily. Um, in the past, I will say this, um, the first smartwatch, the first I think was the second smartwatch that they pushed out, the Galaxy Watch S or something like that. Um, was originally released with Android Wear, and then through an OTA, they were able to flash it over to Tizen. So they, there is a way of going from one system to the other. Samsung has proven that, proven that they could do it one way. Can it work the other way and keep the user experience to the level? Because 
you have to remember the hardware that was built on some of these smartwatches that are currently on the market were optimized to work on Tizen. They were not meant to work with Wear, and Wear OS does definitely need a little bit more RAM to run nicer. Like this is a perfect example: forty-one hundred Wear, forty-one hundred for the processor, and at least a gig of RAM for it to run smooth as butter. Like the UI element, what you truly expect the experience should be on a smartwatch. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, but then another thing, of course, I do miss Android Wear. I don't know how Fossil is doing, uh, but I really like the uh, the Skagen uh, the Skagen Falster line. So those are the things that we love about Android Wear watches, right? There's obviously a higher level of uh, of uh, acceptance approach from different companies, as you saw there with Skagen, Fossil, and of course Tickwatch and other companies that used it. Um, what I would probably say is that's the main appeal that I like about Android Wear is the fact that I can go with multiple different designs. The watches can look a little bit more realistic. They don't have to be kind of locked within a certain ecosystem. So if Samsung is obviously trying to jump into that market, hopefully we'll be able to start seeing even more of a premium version, higher premium version of their smartwatches other than just their, uh, the Galaxy Watch 3, 4, and the next version. Can Wear OS help uh, Samsung do better on their smartwatches? I feel like there's going to be some growing pains between the two. Having, having not been in that system for so long and suddenly shifting gears over, their, their development of the running OS or the skin version on top of uh, Wear OS will have to make it so that literally we would not even know that it's running Wear OS other than the fact that it says on the box. And if they can do that, then yes, definitely keep the existing ecosystem i love the spinning dial on the on the galaxy watch 3 there's no question that's a very unique feature that does not exist on any other smartwatch the whole crown the whole the digital area here spins over and it changes the ui on the watch active they kept that feature by just doing a digital function on it and it is super functional so we want to be able to see it but we'll have to see we'll have to see what samsung does um ER jumping in with us, uh, Davin, yes, Samsung and Google have some sort of agreement in place uh, with Samsung's looking to manufacture Google's future SOC. That that we've heard from last year. Yeah, of course. Uh, Google must have asked them to do uh, the, must have uh, asked them, and there is obviously an incentive set, uh, part of it. Again, as long as they're capable of giving us a similar experience without losing their identity, they did it before when they shifted from uh, Android Wear over to Tizen. And they could definitely do it again if they truly put in the development to keep the UI elements looking the same and just shifting the background, the backbone of it to Wear OS. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, Sean Pfeiffer's in the comment, man. Hey, man, good morning. Oh, good afternoon. Sorry. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Uh, it, it is, oh no, dang. Yeah, it is noon. It is noon. We are, uh, we are definitely noonish Pacific time. Um, oh, speaking of which, so here's a little bit of a thing going on. Um, I, next week's live stream next Saturday with deck, uh, may end up being a mobile live stream. And I'll explain a little bit more about that in, in, in the sense that I'm saying is I'm expecting a delivery, but it's a delivery where I actually have to go pick it up. So I don't want to skip the live stream. I don't want to do, I don't want to miss, uh, miss out being part of the show with you guys every Saturday. I love the time that we get a chance to spend it together. So my goal is to try to make it into a mobile uh, experience. So we may be on the road together, going over and maybe picking up the package together. So bringing you guys to hang out and check out the package that I'm getting a chance to pick up. It's, it's, a, it's a big shift for me, big change from what I'm doing. But unfortunately, it's something that I don't have a way of getting it delivered to my house. And I do need to go pick it up. And I feel like, um, I'll, I'll just say that much. Having you guys with me would be a lot of fun. Let's just say that. And uh, the reason why I'm kind of teasing at it and not 100% saying it's going to be is because I don't know if it's going to be 100% available 
on that Saturday for me to pick it up. So once that becomes a situation, I'll definitely get a chance to explain or I'll talk to you guys about that in a little bit. Um, oh, I will say um, I did get a chance to test drive a uh, Mustang Mach-E, the, uh, the new electric, the EV Mustang that uh, I think they announced back at 2020 CES. I would not, well, well, we still had CES last year. Uh, and uh, I got a chance to check it out, but I finally got a chance to drive it this week. So I decided to go down to my local dealer. They had one. Go go figure. The Mach-E is available for test driving. Uh, an interesting car. Uh, I would say that much. I would say feels very much like driving my regular car. There's not a big difference in the driving experience. Um, although Android Auto, which I think... So a while back, we kind of talked about it at one point when I was kind of debating if I wanted to get the Tesla or want to get something else. And I think somebody mentioned it in the chat saying, oh, Android Auto is built into the Mach-E, the Mustang's Mach-E. Um, sorry. And that was actually my biggest driver into trying to figure out, does that make sense? If I do want to end up going into an electric car, is that something that I want to try? The approach to the way Android Auto is put in within the Mach-E is not the same approach Dave uh, Ford has used with their other cars. I have another car that's a Ford and it does have Android Auto. One of the reasons why I chose that car. The Mach-E's approach, because of their lance... Uh, okay, so first first thing is, their their their, image, their tablet is in a portrait standing, so it's first thing, you know, very much a tall form factor. So running Android Auto will never take the whole display because Android Auto is not optimized to run in that format. It's intended to be more of a widescreen, 16 by 9 type of an experience. So it literally runs, end up half, half the display runs with Android Auto, the other half runs the existing system, or the, what do they call it, Fort Sync 4. That's the, the new system. It's very much an early, early, early development process type of an experience. I feel like this is so not Gen 1, but like beta alpha testing of a product that should have been done way before this was released, because I can't believe this is something that's truly there. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't use Android Auto. It doesn't mean you can't use Google Maps in there. It does work. But I found that at the end of the day, to truly benefit of all the features that come within an EV, specifically like a Mustang, you need to use their maps. So Android Auto uh, Maps is totally out of the door. So I'm, I won't be able to use it because the charging stations are not built into Android Auto. They're built into their native maps, which is Sync, uh, the Sync form uh, options. And Android Auto, the assistant uh, initiation through the button on the on the controller on the steering wheel, which typically would initiate the assistant on a standard Ford with a Sync 3 uh, model, doesn't work. It automatically launches uh, Ford's assistant. So Literally, the only benefit of having Android Auto in there is for the sake of just launching a couple of music apps if you want to be able to control it, which at the end of the day, I felt like that wasn't really truly the Android Auto that I want to use. I love my Android Auto on my Ford Explorer because I get to use the maps from Google. They get updated all the time. I don't have to go back to Ford a year later and buy a $500 map uh, upgrade uh, code so I can download new maps to my uh, to my car because, you know, and anyway, that conversation, that part of buying a car for many, many years where they, they sell you DVDs and discs to upgrade your GPS experience on a, on the car that you bought makes no sense to me because it's a very much more of a, you got to use our stuff. So once I saw that on the Mach-E, I felt like eh, I'm already in that point. So it didn't really make sense. So short answer, great car, drives great, a lot of power. Um, expensive very expensive um they all are uh but I, I decided to kind of uh that was my thing i got a chance to get it out of my system and i was done and i said thank you very much i'll stick with my explorer let's let's just say that for now uh oh so here sorry let me jump back real quick uh dts jumping in saying honestly samsung keeping tizen separate from Wear OS was probably a brilliant move for them giving uh the ruthless uh, the ruthlessness that you see google and killing off uh projects 
truly, it was a very big move for them. I, at the time, everybody jumped on the on the fact like, why would Samsung leave? Why would you know is Samsung separating from Google? Are they going to just run their own thing? Because Samsung has released the Tizen as their operating system for their smartwatches for a while, but they've also released smartphones that run Tizen as the OS, and then of course run TouchWiz or one U not one UI but TouchWiz uh, OS over it, making the phone look exactly like an Android device running similarly to that. So the short answer is. Is it possible? Yes. Does it make sense from a business standpoint? At least from my point of view, I look at it. I think I don't think Samsung would. It's you know, we're not talking about um, uh, we're not talking about shifting from using an Exynos twenty one hundred or a nine ninety over to a Qualcomm chipset. That's this is literally something that they've developed and they've pushed. Those are type of tech that only reason Samsung would leave is if they were noticing a very massive loss. And Samsung watches are very popular. They work on both Android iOS. They're not locked into a Samsung ecosystem. So again, uh, unless, like you said, uh, Aditya said, there's a massive incentive program going in, it's going to be a tough one. Um, also, Samsung must have better uh, SOCs uh, to go with their future watches uh, for them to adopt a Wear OS and uh, potential new features, uh, you know, updates going to Wear OS as well. So those are the things you want to keep in mind. It's the ecosystem, right? Does it make sense for us to shift everything? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, if, if they do, let's say they do shift over to Wear OS. I don't think that that means that all of their other watches that they've released in the past will have an update to go over to Wear OS. I think they're probably going to basically stay to where they are and they may support them till they basically more of an end of life type of an experience, end of predicted life, not to say that they're planning on canceling them. So the approach will have to be gradual and it also it could also be maybe that they just release a one-off. There may be one new series of their smartwatches that runs Wear OS and they still carry Tizen as their primary bread and better, uh, breadwinner there when it comes down to smart watches it you have to approach it from them from a pragmatic approach companies don't kill off products uh, and features that make them money especially when samsung's been doing this for years we're talking so long that they've had generational upgrades and features and and people truly like what samsung has to offer when it comes down to their smartwatches um uh, Sean Pfeiffer is jumping in. I'm going to produce, uh, edit uh, my uh, my boss's podcast. Uh, can you suggest any affordable laptop to run um, uh, Audacity? Thanks. Um, so for Audacity for purposes, I, I, so I'm assuming you're you're thinking more of the uh, editing for the audio and so on. I think generally Audacity doesn't really need a lot of hardware, a lot of specific hardware to run. It's an open source type of thing. It's a free app you can download. Uh, my recommendation would be just make sure you have at least eight gigs of RAM, maybe an i5, I, I would probably say at the bare minimum, mostly because of the export times. When you're producing content, when you're recording it and you want to be able to do a lot of edits into it and then reducing the amount of time that it takes to produce, that's going to be something in there. So make sure at least eight gigs of RAM and of course, Windows 10, you should be pretty fine. There's not a lot of requirements there. It's when you jump into uh, auditions when you jump into um, like you know other other higher end like DaVinci Resolve when you're trying to edit, then I would probably say 16 gigs will probably be more closer to what you want to do. Uh, it, depending if this is going to be a supplemental laptop or more so uh, like the main rig that you're going to be editing your normal videos, but also using to produce your podcast from it. So uh, best of luck with that one as well, of course. Um, Greg says, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry TK, I, I, I keep missing the best of our week. Uh, it's it's a weird timing, and I think some a point, at some point or another, I think uh, Juan and I will ha will work on timing on it. Um, a little bit of it, a little bit of a teaser that we are maybe moving in a little bit earlier soon. Um, if you guys know, um, it, I think it was so we're the twentieth in about less than a month. Ramadan starts, so for me, Ramadan 
uh, although it's a late night show, obviously I, it's not an issue of me not being able to you know be eating or anything like that. Uh, but the timing of Ramadan kind of puts a, uh, puts a little bit of a stress because I typically wake up at four thirty or five thirty in the morning, depending on the days. Uh, Ramadan will will put in a requirement for me to wake up a little even even earlier, so that means I can't really stay up till midnight every time uh, every night to be able to do it at least during that month. So I'm going to talk a little bit with Juan and see if there's a, at least for the month of Ramadan, if we can shift it. And that would also be a good opportunity for us to test out a slightly different time slot. So uh, stay t- stay tuned. I'll let you know. Um, we'll, we'll see how we're able to do it. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I do need to talk a little bit more with Juan about that as well. Um, Lava's jumping back in with uh, Lava Kumar saying is... Um, when is the OnePlus? When is OnePlus releasing a stable next Android update for uh, OnePlus Seven T? Uh, to my understanding, if I'm not mistaken, they're in the beta stage right now. So I agree. the The word "stable" is the big factor. When is it going to be in the stable channel? Uh, it should be very soon. I'm assuming the the only thing that they're holding in the back, uh, maybe potentially, is the fact that they're getting focused to getting everything running right now for their launch that's coming up. The the I haven't I have I've been pressing and asking for that as you can imagine a lot of people with the OnePlus Seven series have been looking for it the Seven the Seven Pro as well as the Seven T want to get Android Eleven uh, so the thing I would probably say is this keep in mind shifting to Android Eleven does come with an entire new UI element if you love what's going on with OnePlus right now uh, and you really want to be able to check it out there's really not much of a damage that you could do to jump into the beta channel to download OnePlus uh, the Oxygen OS 11 beta on the OnePlus 7T uh, the only thing that you want to keep in mind is just when you're upgrading back, you need to wait a little bit longer for an update that pushes beyond that beta to get you to jump back into stable channel. Um, so I don't have a real straight answer. I wish I did. Uh, and I've reached out in the past. And the only thing I can say is that it keeps telling me is soon being that it is in beta tells you that they're developing it. So don't look at it as it's not, it's not, it's not hopeless. It's more of a timing. That's literally all it is. And we have to keep in mind that the seven and the seven pro are also kind of on the same path with the Nord, with the eight, the eight pro. There's a lot of other things that, you know, OnePlus is racking up. And that could also be maybe why hydrogen maybe come into a somewhat of an end of a life that that could also be where they shift some of their developers there to help other devices that they currently have. Uh, let me see here. Aditya is saying, I'm not going to lie, um, if it's priced well, I'll pick up a OnePlus 9. Uh, really like what uh, what they did with the with the 8 Pro. So there's the there's the question that I would probably say, uh, uh, Aditya, would you, pick, would you pick up the 9 or would you pick up an 8 Pro? Like, would you actually decide to go get, getting the 8 Pro? Now, I, I can say this much with, with what you're getting with the, uh, there's obviously going to be some beneficial uh, factors, uh, the speed of the charging, that's going to be one of the biggest things going on in there. Um, but when it comes down to pro, you know, probably technology, I don't, I don't really foresee, I, I mean, we're, I don't think we're going to get 165 Hertz refresh rate, like the red magic six on, on one plus devices. Right. So the typical, the, the realistic uh, approach I would probably say is what we're seeing, at least from the approach here is their focus, heavier focus on cameras. And those are t- typically going to be somewhat software optimizations. The 8 Pro was a great smartphone when it came down to camera performance. So there's going to be benefit there. Obviously, it doesn't have the Hasselblad uh, marking. Um, I would probably say if you had to kind of look at it, 9 or 8 Pro, I think 8 Pro is a better approach. If you're kind of putting 9 Pro and 8 Pro, at least from what we've seen now, it's a little bit of an interesting approach. But uh, that also could play into what you're looking for for aesthetics. Do you want to, you know, the you want to basically get the the best of 2020 and bring it into 2021, which would still be a very kick-ass smart, you know, smartphone. Um, or do you want to be on the bleeding edge and getting in, uh, you know, exactly what OnePlus's vision for 2021 is going to be, and what Hasselblad has to bring in into the conversation, of course. Um, 
DTA can also jumping back in here. Uh, Meizu had uh, had a fun phone, uh, had had fun phones, uh, questionable pricing, but their hardware on paper was impeccable. Uh, and of course, curious about their uh, their profit margins. I think for the most part, uh, they've had a lot of profit margins very high. I mean, they've been in the business for quite some time and they have other products. It's not just smartphones. And like I said, my main thing that I loved about Meizu's approach and what they did in the past was the fact that they are, or they they did actually have a very big um, innovative, innovative uh, approach to technology and what they offered. Uh, now, again, on paper, the, the 18 Pro literally looks like literally, I mean, I'm looking at the standard models here. Um, you know, it's it's a massive display, 6.7 inch. Uh, we're also looking at you know 4,500 milliampere battery. We're talking about using the larger front uh, in display sensor from Qualcomm. That's a, that's a chipset that we saw, or sorry, that, that's a fingerprint sensor that we saw from two years ago that we're barely starting to see companies use today. So think of it that way. And I think only Samsung uses them right now in their displays, and they do work very 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 nicely. So the question would be is, can it really poorly perform? I probably would say it's, it, it is going to come down to the UI. Do you prefer uh, basically Meizu's uh, UI uh, over Android or do you prefer Maze, uh, or do you prefer other skins? Uh, development on them has not been that hard. Uh, unlocking the bootloader just take a little bit of time, but at least in the past, they've been developer friendly, easy to install. Uh, drivers have been my, our biggest problems, mostly because they're proprietary and releasing their code over uh, open, basically just uh, releasing their code has been the biggest thing in the past that we've seen that Meizu did not do as well. So hopefully we'll have to see what they have to offer. And uh, my hope is that we see more and more people uh, appreciate obviously what Meizu has to offer. Um, Oops, sorry. I think I saw somebody. Uh, Maz B is in there. Oh, hey, uh, Joe. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Red Magic. Ah, yes. So, um, Joe Hickey saying is I'm looking forward to the Red Magic content. Uh, content too. Um, are you uh, are you doing the pro version? Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do. I, I reached out to Red Magic. I've worked with them for many years. Um, I did reach out to them, and I I'm, I did kind of insinuate that I would love to be able to see the pro model. We'll have to see. We'll have to see whichever one they actually ended up sending over. Uh, my goal is to actually just at least get the full experience. So I hopefully will be able to cover some of those, and I'd love to be able to do some comparisons between them and, of course, the ROG Phone Five. As again, those are two big players. Last year, I didn't really get a chance to play around with both of the same. We only had a chance to play with, uh, you know. Red Magic, I don't even think the Red Magic 5S, I never got that one. I only got the 5. So we'll, we'll see. Um, their approach to having a, let's just say this, they're having, they're releasing a smartphone with a higher refresh rate than my top monitor. It just makes no sense to me. Uh, not to say that it's fast, just it's crazy for a smartphone to have 165 hertz refresh rate. It's a small panel. Like, But it, I, again, games can use it. And I can tell you, I can definitely appreciate having 90 and 120 and 144 uh, refresh rate. So I'm I'm with you. I can't wait to see how that kind of goes. Um, uh, Devin, <laughs> uh, I'm, still, I'm still thinking about a Tesla. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I test drove one not that long ago. I rented one a few years back. And it's something to do with a Tesla that kind of just it puts a bug in in the back of your brain and just you always think about it um one thing i want to say even when i did when i did drive the mach e that kind of maybe gave me a little bit of a a wake-up call okay when you get in the car when you're buying a car a car is a very much uh, an emotional purchase outside of the fact obviously what it can do it taking you from point a to point b and you know all the standard features cars are emotional purchases because you buy a car because of the way it makes you feel 
Uh, you and if you're not buying for that, you're pretty much looking at the core experience. So what I'm when you're when we're looking at what we're talking about, Teslas or Mach E's or whatever. How did I feel when I was in that car and when I was driving it? Did I feel like this was the future? Did I feel like this was new, cutting edge, and so on? Not really. I felt like the Mach E is is a it's an it's an improvement. It's definitely a big improvement to see Ford release a fully electric car. That's a first big step. To set to release it and provide us a car that drives like a regular car, like I felt like I was driving my Explorer when I was driving the Mach-E, different height, different little functionality, the st- the center console, definitely out of uh, out of left field there, um, but I didn't feel that wow factor. Every time I sit in a Tesla, I still get that in, that enthusiasm that I don't get with something else, and that's probably why I'm still kind of debating it and and, and still watching. I don't know why I'm watching so many Tesla videos. I, I really don't, uh, but we'll have to see how that goes. Yes. Um, uh that's what that's what i'm oh, glad 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 i waited of course uh let me see here uh i think that, okay so we jumped in, in there no way uh mass b i'm i'm not sure if that was regarding the mach e but definitely a very nice car uh it is it is definitely a very nice one it's just like i said for me it didn't have that factor that wow factor that i was looking for um Oh man! Anybody, <laughs> anybody remember Bada OS, uh, the uh, OS uh, lead to Tizen? Gosh, that that was a long time ago. Oh man, I remember those days. I remember those days. Um, yeah. So I think I'm catching up on comments. Hopefully, I'm I'm not too far. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt Tyler jumped back, uh, jumped out for for some lunch, and he's back. Adityas, um, I'd get the eight pro uh, over the night. So. Again, Joe, I, I totally am with you there. I feel like that that's the the, the move here. Nothing. Again, I, I'm not trying to take away from the nine. I'm not trying to say that the nine is not going to be the best uh, or the nine pro. Obviously, the nine and the nine pro, we still need to see basically what they're able to provide us and the proof. So those are things that are obviously near future. We're going to start seeing some content on that for obviously a lot of people are going to cover them. But if you were debating between the nine and the eight pro, I seriously would put your hand straight into the eight pro and get the higher end at a much lower price. Um, OnePlus will definitely have a fire sale very, very soon. As soon as the nine and nine pro come out, the eight and uh, the eight and eight pro are going to be much, much cheaper to be able to pick up. And I really like that color on the eight pro. So you're, there's no question you're going to enjoy it. Um, so that would be my recommendation. And it seems like Joe's Joe on the same boat with me as well. Uh, but we'll see there. Um, uh syria uh hopefully i'm saying that correctly that was just uh i i, I don't want to mess that up um ho- hope you're doing well uh <laughs> what's up uh okay so here Aditya. so i admit um I, I admit it's using an eight uh an 880 and i prefer the 865 and i think you meant the 888 it's using the 865 on the 8 pro uh if they'd go with the a70 on the uh, on the one plus nine that's this that's an interesting approach so you're right um that plus uh, the Hasselblad photo tuning uh, would make the 9 a little bit more appealing. I agree with the approach there. I feel like if they do end up using an 870, which is a little bit more of a, I would say, a well-proven, a thermally, uh, thermally, uh, thermally approved, a thermally proven device that runs nicely and still able to handle everything that we do, essentially since being an 865 plus plus uh, overclock, um, I agree with you. I think then the nine makes a much more uh, uh, compelling conversation. The question would again be still getting what you want and what will work for you the best. Uh, my recommendation and Joe's recommendation is purely based on, uh, I guess, personal experience, but it also could be maybe personal biases. We may like the Pro 8 Pro a little bit more. Uh, I'm hope. 
I do apologize. I did, sorry. There was like a, a burp that I was trying to hold back for some time and it just came out. Um, I, I do hope that the eight and uh, sorry, the nine and the nine pro do bring us a little bit more, um, I would say some improvements in that technology. I mean, last year, essentially, for all intents and purposes, the 8 and the 8 Pro were just the larger and smaller version of it. Uh, there was a few features that were kept at the 8 Pro, but from an aesthetical point of view, uh, that's something to keep in mind. The 8T, which is what they shifted with the design. So we'll, we'll have to see. And I, and I would definitely be very interested to see what what you think, um, Aditya, at the end of the day. when you Which one would you decide to go once, you know, after Tuesday's announcement go on? Uh, bees jumping back. Uh, thank you, TK. The, the processor on the Lenovo uh, Slim 7 Ultra uh, is the Ryzen 7 4800U. That's actually a pretty good one. 512 gigs of in, uh, internal, sorry, PCIe uh, SSD um, used for work. So battery was a major draw. 8 gigs uh, uh, soldered in LPDDR4 uh, being good enough for, for is relief. Yes, I, I, from what it sounds like, at least are you getting there? It's actually a pretty, pretty, pretty good design. And it is an ultra book. So you're definitely going for a small, thin, minimalistic approach. So uh, question it would be is, again, the battery life is not going to be the best, but again, it's an ultra book. So when you do want to go wired, wireless, you do have that little flexibility. It's easy. It's simple, easy to carry. And hopefully the charging brick is not that bad. So I, I wish you the best of luck with that one, of course. Um, where is it here? Uh, okay, Claude Michel, uh, uh, Claude Mitchell, uh, Claude Mitchell. Sorry. Um, yes. Uh, sorry. What do you think of the Motorola Ready for desktop setup? Uh, makes me excited about Moto Edge Plus successor. So, okay, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. It, it kind of caught me off guard. Uh, I, I do think that Motorola jumping in in this space is a big move. That's a very big move for them. And I love what they brought. The, the aesthetical differences here is that this is not a skinned version of desktop or, uh, of uh, Android desktop here. This is truly a desktop experience. This is literally like EMUI desktop, DeX, um, kind of went, oh, and then of course, what Motorola is offering, which is called the Ready For. I think the name is a little bit different because um, it keeps making us like you're ready for what? You know, like you're ready for, ready for. So I feel like the name needs to be changing a little bit, but I am super, super excited. Yes. Uh, the successor, what we see with the Edge Plus, of course, is going to be definitely supporting this. And I hope that they continue going through with it. Our smartphones are way too powerful for what we do with them on a daily basis. They're just seriously. Uh, the 888 as a processor on on the on the general usage when we're talking about just general usage of social media, responding to emails, light editing, just general day-to-day -day activity is way too much power. You want to harness the power of those processors and run a secondary OS off your smartphone. We have enough RAM. We have enough horsepower. We have enough um, uh, advancement in Android to give us the ability of running two things simultaneously. We've seen OnePlus, uh, sorry, we've seen Huawei uh, do this immensely and very, very nicely with EMUI desktop. We've seen Samsung do it year over year with DeX. So absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm very happy to see one, uh, Motorola do it. I hope that they talk it up. They showcase it more to people, showcase it more to consumers so that you can sell it back into, let's say back in the olden days when we used to have the, um, I want to say the the Atrix and the Matrix. Um, that used to be basically their first docking phone with a desktop experience. Um, I want to say it's the, uh, the, 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 the Atrix, Atrix, not Matrix, and just the Matrix without the uh, M. So yeah, uh, I saw that. Very, very happy, very excited. And I definitely want to see more about that one as well. Um, okay, so, uh, oh, okay. So uh, Silverback uh, is asking an interesting question, actually. Very nice. So uh, what do you like most? Do you, as far as uh, punch hole cameras, do you have the center or the side? Um, 
realistically, after using them for so many years, and I've seen them with many in many different areas, I like personally to have them on the side, specifically the top left, not the top right. And I say that because just think of it as aesthetics. When you're holding the phone and you're using it on a daily basis, you're playing games, and you're doing whatever, that part of the phone, that bottom left side is 90% of the time covered. I don't use the front-facing camera when I'm recording videos or when I'm playing games. Again, that that, that can also feed into the personal the the, the choice I use it there. Also, when we're watching movies, sometimes there are content that is sitting here on the edge of the displays. A lot of times we like to stretch it. So having it in the center on the top will always have a somewhat of a presence in there. And I don't want to hide it. I want to use the full display. So presence on the top left when you're looking at the phone and more of a portrait experience, I feel like is the best experience because A, takes away the, mobile, uh, the moving parts, gives us the IP rating, and it hides away literally ever so conveniently under our thumb when we're playing games or watching content because when we're holding the phone. And even if it doesn't, let's say you put the phone down on a table, the presence on the bottom left is so far away from the center of where all the action is going that you typically don't lose much on the detail. Most movies are constructed to have, even if they're doing pan shots, they'll go side by side, but never side down to the corner. So I feel like that's the best approach. Uh, Oh, Aditya is jumping back here with the comment back to uh, Davin there. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, Greg saying Teslas are the bomb, DK. You know, I, I appreciate it, man. And uh, happy thanks. Uh, sorry, St. Patrick's Day to everybody. I noticed the green hearts that you were putting in that, that kind of happened during the week. Um, I like Teslas. I like Teslas. And I feel like, like I said, the two times that I had an opportunity to, to, to experience them, um, both times I felt like the that futuristic. It's that shift, that change from everything that we typically see in a car. And when you get into it and you drive it, you go through, uh, you try the the, uh, the auto steer, you try the autopilot, you see some of the stuff that they're doing. And that was the other thing I think that, that it kind of uh, threw me a little bit. Although both Teslas and, and, and Ford are using proprietary infotainment systems, I felt like Tesla's approach was a little bit better. It doesn't include Android Auto, and I know that's a big thing for me. I like Android Auto. Uh, but it doesn't really uh, affect as much because, so here's the thing. Android Auto is not advanced enough to work on EVs. We've seen Android Auto, a certain version of it, I think it was on a Hyundai a few years back in 2019, where Android was in integrating itself into a, their infotainment system. And that was the approach. But it hasn't really graduated anywhere. So we haven't really seen it in other cars and, and be, making it more functional. And again, the way ford approached it is they took the current version of android auto and put it on the top part of the screen so to me it was just very messed up uh in the overall setup and i i think they need a few generational upgrades or some optimizations to get android auto to work correctly the way it needs to be and carplay with the exact same thing uh not that much of a difference there uh davins is um I'd be curious to see if OnePlus would put uh, the 870 on the OnePlus 9 and the 888 on the 8 Pro. That might be interesting. I think that's a smarter move. It saves them the money on the sense of what they're getting. They're still able to. They're still capable of providing uh, a the uh, uh, what's it called the 5G technology. It may help us a little bit with the price on the OnePlus 9 as opposed to the 9 Pro. But you're not really missing out that much. Your overall UI experience on the smartphone will be almost identical as if they as if they had the 888. Um, there obviously is a slightly difference in, of course, radio management and, of course, the ISP uh, configuration, the triple ISP setup that we get. So from an image processing, there's a little bit of a difference here because the 870 architecturally is pretty much the same as the 865. So that if they do that, then there may be some features that the 8 Pro can do that the 888, uh, sorry, that the uh, OnePlus 9 can't. Uh, but again, we'll have to see what they decide to go with. There's, there's a few differences in there uh, outside of just normal day-to-day -day usage. We'll, we'll see. 
Um, I do want to say thank you for everybody that's watching. I, we're actually hitting some really nice numbers. We have about 270 people watching us here. Uh, hope you guys are doing uh, doing good. Oh, Mazby is saying yes. <laughs> okay, so that comment when we saw the wow before, that was regarding it there. Um, uh, okay, Sakmat's asking here, what do you think about nothing, Carl Pays? Uh, um, so nothing as, as a company. So we, we saw some design, uh, early design renders that we saw that was coming out about a week or so ago. Um, as a company, Carl Pay is really building up the hype around it, right? So he he did a lot of, I would say, strategic moves into uh, bringing in certain partnerships, certain support, investment from big names, and so on. But we haven't really seen anything come out yet. We are starting to, we're getting close. May is supposed to be the month where they release their first true wireless product or wireless product that they're going to be announcing. We saw some of the aesthetics, uh, a little bit of some of the inspirations they're working with. Um, the approach to what we see here is this. This is very much a, at the current stage right now, a very much a hype current situation. We're building up the hype for it. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of little teasers here and there. Uh, a lot of, um, basically, the, the, the thing that we're, we're all excited about is, is because these big names are excited about them realistically. We haven't seen much from from nothing to be able to be very excited about. It's their partnerships with other companies. Uh, they bought uh, the essential one, the remainder of whatever essential used to be when it came down to smartphones. Could that be smartphones? Meaning that's something to keep in mind. So the answer to the, what is nothing right now is pretty much a very exciting place to be. A lot of people are in, are excited to see what Carl is going to be doing, what, what nothing can actually do and what they can produce. Um, and May will end up basically being in the proof in the pudding because at the end of the day, till we see a product that we're able to see and we use, uh, Essential back in the day did a very close uh, uh, approach to what we're seeing right now. Okay, um, Andy Rubin did a very big hype machine. There was a lot of people jumping in. He was there with the original Android and blah, blah. And we saw all of the stuff. Then we saw what Essential One had to offer. And then it kind of just, again, from there on, there was a lot of criticism. So I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm not excited about what we see from Carl Pay and nothing. I'm excited to see what they're offering. Uh, but I'm also kind of tapering my expectations purely from the sense of, History sometimes, uh, you know, has a lot of data in it, and it's hard for us not to kind of fall back on some of that when we don't know enough uh, about what's coming up. So the hope is that within next month or so, probably April, uh, we'll start seeing some teasers or maybe some announcements uh, before the official release, or even if the official release is in May, uh, whatever it ends up being, it does truly provide us that uh, the excitement or meets the expectations that our excitement is being uh, being on at right now. Uh, but a great, great question on that one, of course. Uh, oh, here. So um, GMB is asking, is the camera on the Galaxy S21 really bad um, as as the DxO marks reading? So, okay, I'll say this. The the cameras on the, on the S21 um, are, they're, they're for the most part kind of like, if you think of it as what it is, it, the S21 and the S21 Plus are using similar sensors that they used before with the S20 series. There really wasn't that much improvements done there. Uh, they did provide a much higher telephoto lens to be able to give you a little bit better experience there, but the cameras are not bad. Okay. At the end of the day, when you look at the S21 or the S21, uh, uh, the S21 or the S20s, uh, you really need to understand that these are the top of what smartphones offer on the market. DxO as a rating is a very, it's basically based on their version of the test. If you've used, if you've ever used a Samsung smartphone in the past and you like the way the images come out of it, and I'm talking within the recent couple of years or so, so like S10, S20, S21, 
I don't think there's going to be that much of this. Uh, you know, you're not going to be disappointed in the quality of the pictures because Samsung's not really variating much. They're not improving and they're not variating. So the oversaturated colors, the little bit of it, uh, I would say, social media approach kind of to to images are going to still be, uh, still be there. And I don't think it was a bad enough experience. Uh, 4K 60 frames per second on the front-facing camera is a big move for them. No autofocus on the standard and the plus, but the uh, the ultra does have autofocus on the front. Those are big things. So uh, I don't necessarily think that DxO is the end all be all. A lot of a lot of the people in the comments will, will agree with would say um, benchmarks are not everything. And DxO, as great as they are, uh, they may be a good guide, but definitely not the owner's manual when it comes down to what you should expect. Uh, but if you've used them, definitely would be great. Um, MD Morian is asking where. Where is the, oh, uh, where do I live? Uh, so I live in California, Los Angeles, California in uh, in the US. So uh, Pacific Standard Time, it is approximately 1235. Uh, and we are almost at the two hour mark of our live stream, which crazy how fast things uh, kind of go. Uh, Geeky Nassim is asking, best phone is the Pixel 5. Uh, what do you think? Um, I think the Pixel 5, from from the if, if we have to look at Pixels, if we look at Samsung, sorry, if we look at Google and their smartphones, I think the Pixel 5 is one of the best. Um, speaking of which, uh, Geeky Nassim, if you love the Pixel 5, make sure to check out Joe Hickey's um, uh, Instagram account. He's a big, big Pixel 5 shooter. He literally posts only pictures out of Pixel 5. Um, I think the Pixel 5 is a very good phone. Yes. Is it the best phone? Not necessarily. There are some pros and cons to any smartphone. There's no such thing as a perfect phone, but there's some, there is what we look at or what we try to approach is which is the right phone for you? What do you use and what do you want to get out of that smartphone? And I think the Pixel 5 answers in general about 85 to 90% of what people love to get out of their smartphones. And the price point is definitely much better than what we've seen in the past. So for that, I'll say it's a great phone. Uh, but it, it, you truly, at the end of the day, what you use out of it is what will make it or will dictate the conversation for you. Uh yeah, no, Greg's dumping in exactly. Uh, is uh, you know, innovation always, always going to be that definitely, Greg. Uh, and hey, here's Joe, uh, right back there. That Pixel Five is a great phone, can be the best for certain people, but not for every. I, I love it right there. Joe's with me, Captain uh, hashtag uh, some Pixel Five guy, uh, Joe Joe Hickey. Uh, definitely check out both of his channels, the 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 color and the monochrome channel, uh, of course. Um, so yeah. Uh, uh, Suyaba, uh, Madame, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. TK, hey, hope you're doing well. Uh, here, uh, that's a good one. So, Abdelaiza is asking, could we see 120 hertz 4K capable smartphone uh, this year? From what I've seen and a lot of the things, at least the conversations that I've been part of, I don't think 4K 120 is possible yet. The panels are not there. There's just no panels made to run on smartphones that have that high refresh rate. Uh, also, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, 888 capacity of being able to run refresh rate on 4K is limited to 60. So I don't know what's making that little noise outside, but it is. So um, unfortunately, I can't speak much for the 888 plus, whatever the end up being the the overclocked version of the 888 at the end of the year, uh, but we'll have to see. I think 60 frames per second on 4K is pretty much the maximum we're able to see. Uh, 90 hertz, which was that uh, that approach that uh, uh, sorry Sony tried to do with the Xperia One Mark II, uh, but you also have to kind of keep in mind on the market right now, 
with the exception of Xperia, there is really much, there isn't much looking at 4K. Most companies are focusing on 2K at 120 or trying to push the limits of 2K. And I feel like that's always going to be the right approach. Higher refresh rates typically come at a lower resolution than they do at the higher resolution, right? My 14, my 240 hertz refresh rate monitor that I have is not running at, uh, at 4K, it's running at 1440. That's because those are the techs and that's what they have possible. So uh, is it possible at some point? Absolutely. Is it here yet? No, I don't think that 2021 is going to be the year for 4K 120. Uh, I wanted it to be that way. I wanted it so much to be evolving more than what we've seen um, and or at least give us true 90 hertz. But uh, one of the things I straight out asked Qualcomm, the 888 doesn't support it. 4K 60 is the maximum. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. Um, uh that's typical diamond <laughs> we all do uh yeah so al joseph's jumping at uh, uh, Ab uh abdullah uh, uh, abdullah he's saying uh, we all do Xperia one mark two got the uh got the capability for that uh for an update so absolutely if there is a if there is a company that's going to do it it has to be sony and i'm sure sony is going to give it to us they'll be the first to give it to us of course uh oops i think i jumped way too much here da, da, da. um Hold on. Uh, uh, Vino is asking, what is the best custom ROM for the OnePlus 5 uh, for gaming and high performance? Honestly, you have to keep, there's two parts of this. It's not just the ROM, it's also the kernel. So make sure that whatever ROM that you decide to pick up, I think Lineage is a great operating system to pick up. And it, mostly because you can marry it with a really good custom kernel that will help you do those overclocking and make sure you get the, contr the control app for it. So it, there's a few things you want to keep in mind is, Make sure you, that you basically un, uh, overclock and undervolt if you're able to do that to get the best performance. But also make sure that you just obviously make a fresh install, customize it, and don't install any additional apps that you don't really need on that phone. And that will help you focus more on the gaming experience. Uh, typically, what happens is the launchers, uh, the additional launcher applications that you're able to install or they come with different gaming phones help you minimize the background processes. And typically, you can control some of those with a good custom kernel. So it's not necessarily the ROM. It's more so also the kernel. So the other components that you're going to be downloading. Uh, but then you end up basically starting to play around with the you know tuning in the things in there as well. Let me see what we have. Sorry. But I, hopefully, that kind of gave you the answer. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Yes, guys. We are hitting that part of the stream. I <laughs> I can't believe it's an hour and 55 minutes. And I, I totally, it totally slipped my mind. So uh, just for everybody that's in the chat, everybody that's uh, listening to us, I want to say first, obviously, welcome. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, we do this, obviously, every Saturday. Saturday Morning with Tech is a, is a show that we try to basically engage with everybody. And my goal is to engage with everybody's questions and try to answer as many as I can within the roughly around the two hours or so. And we do this little nice fun thing called the TKception, which so for everybody in the chat, if you don't mind, please do me a big, big favor. And uh, if you'd like to go ahead and drop on, drop in the TKception hashtags, um, it's, it's been an interesting week. And the goal obviously is to be able to provide the best experience that we can. So I'll give it a few seconds for that to kind of jump in real quick. Uh, oh man, you guys always, always jump in with it. Uh, definitely, definitely. Okay. So let's, let me jump in real quick here. Do, do, do. I'm not mistaken here. I think Chemi's Chemi is the first one that's kicking it for us. Actually, I take that back. I think Joe uh, Joe dropped it first, if I'm not mistaken here. Uh, if I know that, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, dang it. See, this is, oh, here it is. <laughs> Joe Joe's the one who, who got me and did a TKR Bay. I appreciate it there, Joe. Uh, 
Yes, no, definitely. For everybody in the chat, everybody uh, listening in, thank you, thank you very much for, for being part of the show. Let me just jump back real quick down here. Uh, Joe Hickey, Team Pixel, all the way, man. Always, always, always. Uh, let me see here. That, that, uh, I, see, I, I, I always worry if I hit the thing too, uh, too fast and it'll jump into something else. So with that being said, uh, if, you're not, if you haven't seen this before and you're new, make sure you like and subscribe. And uh, let's go ahead and do this quick TK section and uh, not invite. I want to share screen and here we are and we are ready to one Yay. right there um of course everybody in the chat everybody thank you very much for being with us hanging out with us kicking it with us thank you to chemi for there uh, for hanging out with us aditya of course as usual tkception tkr bay and of course tk alpha bay um as i should just basically get the shirt saying tk alpha bay and um i'll i'll say that um Expect something, some some news about that TK Alpha Bay soon. Uh, not 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 in the sense of me being part of Sony, but there may be something soon. Uh, another little collaboration coming up that I can't really talk yet about. Let's just say that much. Uh, Matt Tyler, as usual, the man, the myth, the god of Warzone. Uh, TK Exception, TK Bay, TK the man, the legend. Juan Baglance, some LG chill guy. Um, if I if Juan was in the chat, I did not uh, catch him. I do want to say good morning. Uh, some guy uh, matt is on a roll congrats on the new tv man we got to play some games soon uh and of course davin davis uh in there greg jumping back in as always of course um uh mmg xmm thank you very much tkception uh tk the man greg uh sean pfeiffer jumping in with that one thanks man love the beard man going beard strong man the conversation this morning uh, uh keone lee amen thank you very much donald lazan hey i didn't see you donald before thank you very much man hope you're doing well uh er joe hickey of course uh, gmb thank you very much for everybody hanging out with us uh i screen captured <laughs> you guys you guys are gonna I, I i really i always love screen capturing but i never appreciate when it's an embarrassing moment let's just say that much um it's been an interesting week uh i have to say um Thanks for everybody, obviously, for hanging out with us. Everybody helping, uh, being in the chat, checking it out. Everybody on the live stream watching it again. Uh, I appreciate you being here. I try to engage as much as possible. I My hope essentially is that you found this live stream helpful. There's going to be an audio version of this that will be released within the next hour or so as I trans uh, try to export it. It's a straight audio dump from the video. I don't try to edit it much um, so that you get to get actually everything through what we kind of got through there. Um, next week is going to be busy. OnePlus is coming out. And of course, we always know, already know that Poco is coming out. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Poco has to offer and of course, what OnePlus has to offer. And I hope I am able to get my hands on a, on a Poco this time as well. Last year, I was able to play with, with them um, and I'm looking forward to see what they offer. Uh, the Meizu 18 Pro looks very promising. So I am not going to lie. I may be looking into bringing one of those as well. And hopefully checking out the A50, uh, either one of the A's, the uh, either the A5 or the A7 model. We'll have to see how the, either the 52 or the 72. Uh, I'll leave you. I'll let you guys know. Maybe hit me up over on. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll have to see what we kind of do uh, there. Uh, but with that being said, thank you very much for being here. Uh, of course, I hope you're doing well. I hope you do, you're feeling well. If you're not, please talk to somebody. Make sure you're able to get um, get some of the things on your mind off your off your mind and, and work with uh, with people. Uh, I can tell you that before going into the live stream on when on Thursday with uh, the best of our week with Juan Carlos. I was in a weird spot. I was in a very, um, not very motivated, very much in a, almost a, uh, like a place that I didn't really want to be. That live stream helped me a lot as much as it may not have looked and it may not have been the best live stream that Juan and I have done. 
but I felt like it was important for us to hang out, us as in the group and the community. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, make sure, uh, again, we'll we'll see you guys hopefully next Saturday on another episode of Saturday Morning with Tech. Make sure to catch tomorrow, Matt and Sam uh, kicking it big time. Uh, and uh, this time I'm going to be right, right, Matt? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow uh, you're going to be playing some Warzone, right? It's going to be a Warzone uh, live stream. Yeah. <laughs> um, but definitely make sure to catch uh, Across the Podcast with Sam and Matt tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Monday, of course, with the SGGQA with uh, Juan Carlos Bagnell. Very big fans, very big supporters of the channel. Uh, be safe. Be, take care. Get in touch with some of your friends and family you haven't talked to for some time. And I'll see you guys again next week on another episode of Saturday Morning with Tech. Um, and it, we may be mobile. We may be mobile. And you guys may be checking out some really cool stuff. So we'll, we'll have to see. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon.